Welcome to the MC Universe, where the Lorehounds, your guides to the multiverse and beyond. I'm David. I'm Jean. And I'm Alicia. And we're your guides to the many possibilities of the Marvel multiverse. Season two of Marvel's What If will begin on December 22nd on Disney+. And we're going to talk about what to expect, the episode titles, a release schedule, and what characters are showing up. But first, Jean and I are going to have story time. We'll be walking David and anyone else who hasn't had time to watch season one or who just needs a refresher through everything that happened, how it all came together, and which stories will be continued in the new season. We'd also love to hear your thoughts about what if, as we discuss the new season. Email your feedback to mcu at thelawhounds.com or head over to our website at thelawhounds.com and use the contact form or record us a voicemail. For ad-free versions of this and all of our podcasts, check us out at patreon.com slash thelorehounds. I'll share more about our Patreon benefits as well as programming notes for the end of the year and the beginning of the new year at the end of the podcast. Also, we'd be forever grateful if you could help us get more ears tuned into the Lorehounds MC universe. All you need to do is drop us a five-star rating and review wherever you're listening. Apple Podcasts is especially helpful. And yeah, even if it's just a few quick words, we read all the reviews and they mean a lot to us. And before we get started, just a quick spoiler warning. We'll of course be spoiling all of the Marvel What If Season 1 episodes and anything is on the table, including Marvel Comics. Jean, Alicia, good to see you guys. It's been a minute since we've all been together on the microphones after that triumphant Loki season finale. How are you guys feeling? At least we went out on a high. Yes, we did. <laughs> that was <laughs> unlike the previous one. <laughs> I still got some feels from that show. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Definitely. Very good. Ranking high on the end of year uh, top 10 list. Very it better high. make everybody's top 10 list. It made it made pretty high in the community rankings, which we will cover on our Patreon. Well, it's not Patreon exclusive because it's our, our present to everyone, but on our end of year top 10s, uh, John and I will be doing uh, a podcast where we cover our top 10s. But this year, we also did a community draft where we put out a survey Everyone was able to put in their shows from uh, uh, 10 to 1, and then their bonus questions about guilty pleasures. Well, you know, should guilt pleasure be guilty? That's a good question somebody brought up. <laughs> the biggest miss and the most anticipated shows. And uh, we're going to make that data available. We're going to publish like a little article, I think, on our, on our website. We've got a cool uh, visualization of, of the shows and how they rank and everything like that. And I will say that Loki made it much higher up the list than I was surprised. I am not surprised. No. <laughs> John and I I'm have been believers surprised. the whole time. <laughs> yes, That's right. yes, yes, yes. And the show that shall not be named didn't uh, <laughs> show up what? at all. Yeah. <laughs> or did it? I yeah. don't remember. If no, it did. I don't it think very, so. Very There's no way that. Not that even a guilty up. pleasure. <laughs> There's no way. Pleasure. It's impossible. And I, I refuse right. to believe it. I looked through the guilty pleasures, by the way, and I think I had by far the most embarrassing one. So <laughs> people are not being honest. <laughs> I'll have to go what? back to the spreadsheet. Judge up your, judge up your title. Nobody else. Anyway, yeah, look for all of that stuff. Yeah, yeah. It's it was a lot of fun pulling that together, and uh, hopefully we'll be able to do that year on year. Uh, and that is a Patreon exclusive uh, that um, those who are subscribers got to throw in their rankings before we get into our Marvel lineup for today. I wanted to give Jean a little space 
because I wanted to get his point of view on Leave the World Behind, which is the latest Sam Esmail movie, which is on Netflix. Brandon and I did a full podcast on that. We did a spoiler-free review on the front side, and then we take a break, and then the back half of the podcast is um, detailed conversations about plot, themes, and all that kind of stuff. Brandon and I both really enjoyed the movie, and I know Jean was interested. And so, Jean, you got a, you watched it the other day. I did. Spoiler free, what did you think of the movie? Should people go see it or you know, yes. put, put it on Netflix? Yeah, you should stream it. I, yeah. I think I, I enjoyed it. I, I really did. Mushahira Ali, you know, is is captivating on screen. Incredible, yeah. Uh, so please, I mean, great cast. Let's get this Blade yeah. movie going. <laughs> <laughs> That's the <hard. laughs> let's get this let's get this going. Um, but he he is great on screen. I, I just think he he brings a, a gravitas to situations that that is just like really engrossing. He's but also thought, charming at the same time of having gravity. Yes, yes. And he's mm-hmm. likable and, and approachable, and, and there's an intimacy that you yeah. can establish, even though his presence is so powerful. Yeah. And, he would and make a great the, blade, just saying. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the campaign has already started. <laughs> well, I mean, I it's, thought, it's already won. <laughs> and so, yeah, we already won. We just need to get it to, to, to go. That's all. Just we, get yeah, it on screen before he leaves. Yeah, let's go. <laughs> Let's go before he he loses interest. You know what I mean. Let's, mm-hmm. let's get this going. Mm-hmm. Um, but the movie itself, I thought everyone who all the characters were were really well done. The the plot itself, the ambiguity to it, I yeah. really liked. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I just Without thought that spoilers, like you really do, you know, feel what it might be like to be part of. A bigger ongoing global event where you're have uh, no idea, and you have no idea what's going on. You're cut off from information. In all of our other disaster movies, Mr. President, the asteroid is going to impact the Earth in 46 hours, and if we don't, all life will be extinguished. And we see the asteroid, and we see all this stuff. In this, we're not. We're we're right down with the characters as they're right, trying to learn what's Mm -hmm. happening, trying to understand what what we're going through. And I thought it was just really captivating. I I really enjoyed that aspect of it of not knowing, yeah, and and being put in the situation with the characters that I'm watching on screen of not understanding what's happening and trying to figure it all out, trying to piece it together by you know the things that have happened in my own life. You know what I mean? Yeah, like they're they're reflecting on what's going on and what's happened to them to lead up to this point, right? How how can we figure out what's going on? as it relates to our lives. And I thought it was really well done. I thought it, I, I enjoyed it. I thought the, some of the conversations that between characters was awesome. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of, there's a lot to the movie. There is it's a not lot. just a disaster. Flick. There's race, not, there's class, yeah. there's um, family dynamics, there's uh, global politics and economy. And Sam Esmail is saying a lot in this movie. Yeah. There's a lot of and, uh, commentary. The one thing, the last thing I'll say about this as well is that there are themes in the movie that for a character that we don't fully understand. And I was okay with that because that's life. Mm -hmm. You know, I have friends who are angry or sad or, you know, happy-go-lucky or whatever it may be. 
and I try to understand why they are the way that they are, and I don't. Mm-hmm. And right, I think right. that's a there's very real that's beyond, uh, understanding. Yeah, yeah. There's there's things that go on in people's lives that you don't know why they turn out the way that they are. Mm. Um, and I think that's okay to have in a film to have that, um, you know, to make it characters who are angry and we want to know why they're angry, but we just don't get the answer. Mm-hmm. I'm fine with that. Right. I'm fine with that. I just thought it was a really, I, I enjoyed the movie, man. It was it's challenging in a way that it doesn't, it's not uncomfortable, but it leaves you questioning and it makes you think about things. And I definitely would like to see more of this yeah. world. Yeah. And Sam Esmail is such a director's mm-hmm. director. He's such a, I've heard interviews with him and he's saying, you know, uh, F plot, right? Like forget plot. TV and movies are a visual medium. So work towards the visual medium. So that's his statement on being a showrunner, writer, producer of, you know, visual stuff. And he executes that. And especially in this movie, the camera work, the way that they use the camera, the way that they signal weird, you know, things to you right off the bat, the way that they use the camera is telling you, don't expect what you're normally going to expect from a movie that would fall into a disaster apocalypse, you know, storytelling. We're doing something different here. And he uses the camera to tell you that. And the way that they innovate with the camera movements, flipping things around, rotating overhead shots, all of this stuff. Visually, it was just an incredible feast. So yeah, highly, highly recommend going to see it. Yeah, I enjoyed it. Check it out. Check out the pod with Brandon. The first 30 minutes or so are are spoiler-free, and then we start taking it apart uh, from there. I know, Alicia, you were interested in checking it out. Yeah, I, I started it and it's it's intriguing. I need to I need to finish it. Uh, been caught give it up some in space. Twenty three. Yeah, give it some space. <laughs> right, from, yeah. I, I said I was comparing the cinematography to Saltburn, and I was like, I just need okay. to let Saltburn get out of my head. Which, for the record, <laughs> yes, there's some gross scenes, but I like that movie. So okay, <laughs> okay. okay. <laughs> awesome. All right, cool. Well, thanks for indulging us on that. Yeah, it's just a if you're into. A certain kind of film, it doesn't even have to be into a certain kind of film, like see this film and let it affect you. Cool. All right. So let's start getting into some Marvel stuff. We have a voicemail from friend of the pod, Dork of the Ninjas. He had some feedback from Marvel's, you know, from the Marvel's movies back in the day. So let's play (laughs) that and we'll use that to uh, kick off our general Marvel news before we get into looking back on season one of what if so here's dark the ninjas hey guys just want to get my quick thoughts on the marvels um just wanted to say that i probably enjoyed this movie a lot more than a lot of people um it i went in kind of expecting just a little bit of a fun time not trying to think about it too seriously i honestly thought the flirting scene was hilarious even though some people i can understand why they think that's stupid but i just loved watching the panic <laughs> set for so many people and mm-hmm. then just how that went it was silly and of course i actually device, enjoyed yeah, the little song and dance planet i didn't i was aware of a lot of those two things coming in that and i was like okay let's see what if this is stupid like people are saying and i was like no these are just silly like i did not expect a super serious thing time with this movie so 
I don't have to really enjoy how silly it could be at points. I very much enjoyed the action. I think it's probably some of my favorite action scenes in any of the MCU just because it's a creative concept of like the mm. switching and stuff like that when the powers get activated. So freaky fight. Just watching them just react and see how that happens. Like the first major scene where that happens with the stuff happening in Ms. Marvel's house, and then the stuff with the space elevator, and then of course the stuff on the actual ship, just watching them react to what's happening and just see the panic that's happening is really fun to watch overall. But I liked the movie a lot. I don't think it's like top of the end Marvel, but like it fits firmly in the middle of the pack of okay. Marvel movies, not great, not awful. Okay. I enjoyed watching it and I'll probably watch it again. Eventually. Like when it comes time to probably whenever they get into more X-Men stuff, because Hey, we got, in the MCU to a degree because getting Kelsey Grammer Beast back was really cool to see. Yeah. But hopefully they don't, they don't mess that up, but we'll <laughs> see. I expect them to at least handle some of that coming in pretty nicely. I honestly want to see if this that is that Beast that we saw there was supposed to be Beast from the original Fox X-Men universe or if it was supposed to be um, Beast from nineteen the nineteen ninety seven um, like TV series because it kind of looks like more like that to me. That's just a thought that yeah. I had, but that's something I just want to throw out there. Um, you guys have a good day, and hopefully uh, we'll get to talk to you before uh, for Echo when that comes out. Thanks, oh, Michael. Thank you. Appreciate you voicemailing in. Always like your takes. Uh, send us more. I am, I think, in the same boat as him. And I was just thinking about would I rewatch this movie? I definitely want to rewatch the opening fight scene where where they do the the powers intertwining. I want to see that again because that was a really fun romp. Jean, uh, what are your thoughts? Are you going to be watching? Oh, yeah, models? I'm, I'm going to watch it more mm-hmm. than once again. Mm-hmm. Going to rewatch it, and I'm probably going to watch it after right. I rewatch yeah. it. I, I really like this. I like yeah. the movie, man. I, yeah. I, I really, you know, I just like the vibe of the movie. It, you know, there there was some really cool things, like I said in in our review. I just like the the Miss Marvel and her family dynamics. I really enjoyed that, and it, that's something you know that I I, I want to see mm-hmm. more of in in these yeah. superhero movies um, to get away from the tropes of, you know, how I feel about the canon right. event. <laughs> yeah. So I, I'm, I'm just really, I, I, I liked the movie and I thought it was a nice fun movie. And it's probably something that I'll, you know, I would, if it was out on streaming right now, I would watch it with my, my sisters and my, my nieces, mm-hmm. you know, at my mom's house over the holidays, you know, we would put it on to, to watch it all together. Right. You know, that's, that's the yeah. type of film that, we would all, you know, enjoy to watch it again. So yeah, I'm going to watch it again multiple times. Yeah. Alicia. Yeah. I mean, I'm definitely uh, any MCU movie. I'm probably even going to rewatch secret invasion. Come on. I that, mean, that's a bridge too far. That, but, now you're going to, you got, I mean, yeah, because at some point, you know, when you're doing the full all the way through watch, but the point is the Marvels is one I'm going to go out of my way to rewatch again. And I actually did bring it up with with my family. It was like, you know, it's a shame if it were out on streaming. I think that that would be a great one for all of us to watch together. Now, my one major complaint is that I think 
they cut too much, especially of Aladna. And I just have to call Hollywood out in general for a minute right now because I have a pet peeve. Go ahead. Um, the fact that they are trying to bury anything musical related as if there isn't a huge audience for that. So for instance, movies like The Color Purple, like Wonka, um, you know, this, this movie where they cut out a bunch of the musical section because they say, well, uh, test audiences aren't enjoying the musical part. So we have to hide that it's a musical to trick them into seeing it. And I'm like, well, then that's how you get unhappy audiences. When just appeal to the people who want that, because we exist, we're here, we've always been here. It's, you know, that's as musicals have always had a strong place in cinematic history. And uh, yeah, I, I'm, I feel like the way they're shying off of it is only hurting the film going experience. Mm, so, right, right. Rant over. You know, the worldwide numbers aren't bad. It's over 200 million. I think it's going to do great on streaming. Yeah. I, I think the, the doomsayers. Are are doomsaying a little too much. I think this was a solid uh, movie, and I think it it kicks off um, this pivot for the Marvel Studios, which I guess brings us nicely into talking about some Marvels or you know news, MCU news in general. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I don't know. I'm I'm going into the next years, going into Echo. We're going to talk about that in a second. I'm I'm yeah. bullish. I think we're going to be okay. I don't think this is the no. death knell. I think there. Are, I th- they're figuring out how to plug the the holes and bail the water out of the ship and, and keep everything afloat. Agreed. Um, all right. So first up, you. I know. I yeah. Just, go ahead. Yeah. I mean, but the naysayers are louder than ever. Like, I, even yesterday, all Twitter, like Twitter of time, was busy with a bunch of people saying that uh, tr- that the wheel of time was going to be canceled if one specific relationship didn't work out. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Sure. All right. All right. Uh, the internet's are going to internet's going to yeah, internet exactly yeah. right. The internet's yeah. are going to internet. But in speaking of naysayers, one thing that people were naysaying that yes doesn't seem to you know maybe we were speaking too soon is we know that the uh, writer and director who were on the Kang Dynasty movie were moved to other projects, and so people are like, oh, it's canceled. Kang is canceled. But now we know that um, Michael Waldron. Okay. who is the creator of Loki and who wrote uh, The Multiverse of Madness, has been tapped to write The Kang Dynasty and Secret Wars. So this wasn't like a canceling of that storyline, but a shifting. Okay. And of course, yeah, recasting remains more than ever up in the air. So. Right. Yeah. Reassigning. But, uh, I mean, no, no, I mean recasting Kang. But, uh, but that, right. yeah, we don't need to touch on that again. But it's, it seems like it's going forward. So Recast T'Challa <laughs> while we're at it. Right. Recast the Chala while we're at it. Don't be afraid of it, yeah. right? You know, just if you got to yeah. do it, you got to do I mean, it. You've done it it's before. Fine. It's fine. Right? Give me a new yeah. T'Challa. Yeah. Well, we'll be fine. We'll be okay. <laughs> we're big kids. We can handle we're it. We're big kids. We're big kids. Recast the T'Challa. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're about to talk about the T'Challa a lot. And we're, weren't the um, filmer, the whatever you want to call them, the, the principal directors of Loki also... Uh, signed up to do some new stuff as well. I thought yeah. I saw there. Uh, yeah. So Benson and Moorhead, the directors of season two of Loki, have been tapped to be the new directors of the Daredevil series. Oh, the 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 reboot on. Oh, that's great. Yeah, that's great. Maybe they'll bring a really nice. I think they'll bring a nice sensibility to that because that's got to be like gritty street level stuff, right? Like what we're seeing. Yeah. Echo. Yeah. Exactly. It's it should be. It we know Daredevil's be. going to briefly show up in Echo. 
well, let's talk about Echo really quick while we're we're here, and then we can flick to uh, Deadpool after we do that. A new trailer just dropped, and uh, I think both you guys have seen it. I just watched it before we got on the microphones. Wow. Is this Disney by night or what? <laughs> what's up? Is this like... Hey, this is what Disney looks like in Europe. <laughs> we don't have your Hulu. It was dark <laughs> and violent and the ending shot was incredible. I was like, wait, no, wait. Is that really what I think they're, yeah. they're doing here? They're a, a cleanup crew, you know? Like, they're going- wow. What did you guys think? I mean, for people who are looking for, you know, Wilson Fisk is obviously a main character in this and people who are looking for a continuation of the Netflix daredevil, you know, gritty violence. Here we go. That would be me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Vincent, uh, I can't ever pronounce his last name. D'Onofrio. Thank you. He looks incredible. He was born to play this role. (laughs) He's so perfect for it. Uh, Jean, are you hyped for, for Echo from what you're seeing in the trailer so far? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I, I hope they don't mess it up. Because, <laughs> early, um, wait, that's always, uh, yeah. that's always the caveat with a Marvel title. But no, right? but the early reviews are strong. The people who have seen it are, they? Yeah, okay. are saying really good things. And also just like how they lean into this, uh, the Choctaw heritage that they've given her. Um, okay. Yeah, some flashbacks. It's supposed to be quite cool. Well, also how it affects her her powers and just how it's woven into her story, right? And 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 like the whole deaf side of the story too, and her relationship with Fisk. These are the things I'm hearing are just really making it a unique, powerful show. Okay, all right. The the thing is, I think every show that Fisk has been in has been really good. (laughs) I'm just saying, you know. Every time Kingpin shows up in one of these Marvel shows, it's there. It's been a mm-hmm. good story, so I'm excited to see it. It looks like it's going to be awesome. So, all right. So, coverage plans. We are definitely going to cover it. And we talked earlier today about what we're going to do, and I've already forgotten what it is. <laughs> <laughs> There's it a lot. Drops. There's a lot. There's a lot. It drops on the 10th is the listed date for Jan- January 10th. Yeah. The, and the trailer yesterday is, said the 9th, but that's probably just in the US or the Americas. Okay. So so that, um, that second week of January, middle of the week, we've got five episodes on a binge. Which is interesting because Disney doesn't binge normally. So I wonder why they're they're going. Maybe they're experimenting with it or uh, who knows, whatever. Um, Disney's going to Disney. And we're going to tentatively try to pick up full season binged coverage that weekend. So with recording times and editing times, look for it early. Sometime maybe around the 15th, we'll be able to get a pod into your uh, pod players uh, as soon as we can. But we're super excited. So we're, this is getting big time coverage. So. And we're going to, yeah, we're going to preview it um, when we do our wrap up for season two of What If. Oh, that's right. We're going to uh, remind you of what you need to remember about Echo's story from I mean, ostensibly, this is a spotlight thing. You don't need to remember anything, but we're still going to remind you what happened with her in the Hawkeye show and things like that. Right. Yeah. That's that's one of the promises of the MC, our MCU show is that we always set context before a title comes out so that when you go going into it, you have a little bit of awareness. Okay, cool. Uh, excited for that. Deadpool 3. What's yeah, up just, with Deadpool? I mean, I think just we're seeing tons of uh, set photos and things like that from both Deadpool 3 and the Agatha show, which 
<laughs> it's don't shoot the messenger. It's changed its name again. Well, not again. Are you <laughs> I mean, serious? maybe I don't know if the new one's been announced officially, but reports are that it's going to be called Agatha all along, which frankly, <laughs> that's the smartest one. You already have the theme song, like right, just right. plug and play. But yeah, this is title number four, if this is true. Oh, Lordy. But what's been seen from the sets and also that Witch's Road, uh, you sort of, I don't know if it's going to be a special presentation or what they're going to end up calling that. Um, but it, it's looking very promising, uh, looking like a lot of fun. Like there might even be a little sprinkle of uh, what's it called? The Halloween movie with Bette Midler. Uh, the witches or something. No. Um, it's really, you guys are going to be like, Oh, hocus pocus. Oh, hocus yeah. Pocus. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, so it's, it's almost feels like it's got a little sprinkle of like hocus pocus in it. Like that's, camp witchiness which i love i'm gonna okay. be so excited about we have to get Marilyn to watch this one too and yeah, deadpool yeah, 3 sure. meanwhile it, the cameo rumors okay yeah. real quick before deadpool 3 do we have a date for agatha uh it's probably going to be around uh fall of 2024 okay yeah all right so later yeah. in the year so we got time okay cool all right Deadpool 3. Uh, Deadpool 3 is looking like it's going to be, people are calling it the no way home of the Fox universe. So the cameo uh, <laughs> list is rumors are running rampant, but it seems like they're going to bring back, you know, things like multiple daredevils and, and obviously the o- old X-Men cast. And it's yeah, it's sounding like it's going to be a crazy multiverse hopping adventure. Okay. All right. John, is uh, Deadpool one of your favorite characters? I, I was no. not a huge fan uh, of that style. I'm not, I'm not a Wade fan. Okay. I'm not a Wade fan in, in comics or on screen. I know oh. he's, a, he's a fave of a lot of folk. Yeah, for sure. for me, yeah, he's not one of my favorite characters at all. And okay. um, Ryan Reynolds tends to grate on me. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, it's even worse <laughs> with his portrayal. <laughs> Um, but I'm gonna, I, I've seen the movies, you yeah. know, I, I, I'm gonna watch this movie, obviously. Right. And, you know, I might even enjoy it, um, more than the other two, um, because I'm, I'm hoping that it's the end of, <laughs> it brings a finality right. to, to the entire, People, you know, Fox yeah. universe. So I'm hoping that's People what I'm People are calling hoping. it that, like okay. the Deadpool kills the Fox universe. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. So... We'll see. Yeah. We'll see. All right. Fair enough. Uh, what's next um, on our list here? Animation yeah, so the, at the What If Season 2 launch event, they made a, a few announcements. So Marvel has officially, we've talked previously about the Spider-Man freshman year and sophomore year uh, animated shows that are supposed to come out in 2024. They changed it to Friendly Neighborhood Spider-Man. Fine. Maybe that means they want to go for longer. I don't know. Um, and then the other one that was, Somewhat of a surprise. I mean, there's a lot of Wakanda things on the docket, but they've announced for 2024 uh, a new animated series called Eyes of Wakanda. And the official summary is, throughout Wakandan history, brave warriors have been tasked to travel the world retrieving dangerous vibranium artifacts. This is their story. Does that intrigue you guys? I instantly thought of you guys when I saw this. It's going to be animated, so they can do a lot more with the story, right? And it could be a nice little procedural. And I think it's it, it stars the Doralaje, right? It's it's a, it's sort of um, around. I, I think it centers well, around that. Yeah, I don't know about maybe because they they were working on. We thought they were doing like a Midnight Angel series, but then they kind of 
jammed part of that storyline into Black Panther 2, which, you know, the disservice to that storyline is the what I object to most in Black Panther 2. So I don't know. I don't mm-hmm. know. There's, there was a lot of, they had a lot of ideas about what they were going to do about Wakanda because it's kind of one of the most exciting parts of the Marvel universe right now. And um, it's, it's hard to say what's going to shake out. Jean is strangely <laughs> silent on this topic. I mean, can we just cut to the chase? Let's, let's just call it what it is. Uh-huh. Recast <laughs> T'Challa. That's all you need to do. Like, okay. um, the unavoidable <laughs> issue. It, it, that's the whole, they're, they're going around the obvious elephant in the room. I'm not saying this is not going to be mm-hmm. good. I'm not saying that I won't possibly enjoy it. When I saw it, I'm just like, this is not what I want. Mm. It's not what I want. I don't want Wakanda without a Black Panther named T'Challa. Okay. Shuri's great. She was Black Panther mm-hmm. in the comic books. But you know what happened in those comic books? T'Challa was still <laughs> here doing other great shit. Mm-hmm. We don't have to have this one or the but other. But I think, I think if... There's, there's space to tell these stories and they're avoiding telling these stories because they're refusing to recast but I, mean, I Recast but the character. But if it does happen, there's no way they can do it in the story before Secret Wars. So, I mean, I think there is a good chance in Secret Wars they might, especially because there are a lot of people like you who are like screaming this, like, come on, we want those stories. But I think, I don't see how they could bring in a new T'Challa at this point before Secret Wars, given, you know, without besmirching the send-off that this T'Challa got in Wakanda Forever. I don't think you, I don't think you besmirched the send-off. But you can't just I, I say, like, what, that didn't happen. I think you can say that, you can, not saying, not erasing mm-hmm. his death. Not erasing his death. I, I totally get that. I'm not trying to yeah. erase Chadwick from the annals of, of the MCU. That's, you know, that would be totally ridiculous because the guy encapsulated so much of what we wanted from that character. He was Black Panther, right? He's not the Black Panther. Right. I mean, I just, but I I can see them bringing in a new T'Challa, a new adult T'Challa, because we do have kid T'Challa, but (laughs) I know, I know, I know. (laughs) I'm going to nerd off on this podcast right now. But but I I could see them bringing in someone at Secret Wars, but I don't know how they do it before that. I'm of the firm belief that since we have the multiverse of madness, Mm -hmm. since we have America Chavez, who's breaking through universes, since we have Pull it you know, the what but that's what universe. I think is gonna happen. We have the what yeah. if we have yeah. the what if characters who have already oh, yeah. established oh, the well multiverse. There. We have we have all of this evidence that there is more than one Marvel universe. Now we have Loki that is effectively telling us there are other branches, other universes there that he's keeping alive. Right. We have different Loki's, we have alligator sure, Loki's, yeah, we yeah. have, you know, so recasting the character before Secret mm-hmm. Wars mm-hmm. can happen. It can should happen. It needs to happen. Reality and yeah, yeah. I mean, let's let's go. Let's go. This is 
the 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 idea that this singular character honest, cannot be played by someone else is a disservice to Chadwick and it's a disservice mm, to the fans. Mm, it's not true. You, know, you we, would never hear we can't recast Superman. You would never hear we can't Batman. recast Batman. <laughs> you would never hear we can't re- recast Iron Man. We can't recast right. Captain America, which they're going to do. Right. right. They're going to do these things. Thor will be recast. Right. Let's, let's just the idea that we can't do it for this particular character is insulting and it makes no sense to me because <laughs> Chadwick will always be on a pedestal. Mm-hmm. Putting someone else in the in title the role. Black Panther doesn't take mm-hmm. him off the pedestal. I right. mean, they right. they are um, they are. I'm looking at uh, yeah, for yeah, yeah. what if season season two. So I for what if season two. I do wonder if we know T'Chaka is going to be in there. We know they're going to be picking up some storylines where T'Challa was present. I wonder if they have recast the voice at least, which is step one, right? So. This means adult T'Challa is still alive in right. the multiverse and right. all their multiple planes. Yeah. Right. Star-Lord T'Challa and all that. Right. Right. So I don't know. Yeah. They could find a way to bring I'm, that over into yeah. live action. And from the story standpoint, this universe's T'Challa, it didn't, he didn't die because a bad guy killed him or, you know, something happened. It was just the start of the movie. We got to deal with the fact that, you know, he contracted Chadwick anymore. Right. Uh, it, it doesn't impact uh, the larger narrative structure, right? In in right. that way, because there's nothing else connected to it. It was just sort of this little bottle thing that they they just had to kind of deal with at the at the front side to get Shuri into position. And Shuri can still be a Black Panther. We just need a T'Challa. Sure, we have two Hawkeyes right story, now, right? I mean, she, she, Shuri can still do. Yeah, that's uh, that's all I'm saying. Got I'm it. not taking Shuri out of the role because, right. like I said. She was the Black Panther in the comics in the for comic. a run, and it was a great run. Right. I liked her character. I liked how she portrayed the character, but I also liked the dynamic that she had with her brother mm. when he wasn't the holder of the of mm-hmm. the mantle. Yeah, right. and he was off doing other really great stuff. You know, they were both doing great stuff in the service of Wakanda and of Earth. Mm-hmm. Right. Right, yeah, because we con- we now have a, a larger plate. Earth can be, uh, pl- you know, out in the universe doing other stuff. Jachala just doesn't have to necessarily be on Earth w- in Wakanda. Right, it right, and in space. When I heard "Eyes of Wakanda," that's the first thing I thought about was that they are, you know, trying desperately, almost inexplicably, not talking about the elephant in the room. Right. But I still will watch the show. <laughs> Fair enough. All right, cool. Well, I think that wraps us up for Marvel news of import at this stage. We will, as always, keep our eyes and ears peeled and, and keep everyone posted as uh, on each of our podcasts. But now let's turn our focus to What If Season 1. Uh, Alicia, you set up a structure for us. Again, thank you so much always for your efforts in this regard to keep us organized yeah, and, and pointed. What is our setup for uh, our what if season? Um, yeah, back? so just going to set up the season quickly, what it is, how it came about, who made it. Um, and then Jean and I are going to take turns 
basically uh, episode by episode having story time for for you and anyone else who wants the recap, uh, which okay, I think good. is probably most people because <laughs> even people who've watched it, it's been a while. I, I have to say, I watched a couple of the first episodes and it wasn't, I, I had a hard time okay. getting into it. And and maybe I could use your guys' help a little bit in terms of story time, right? You know, I'll, fair, I'll sit fair, down fair. in front of the fireplace with a warm glass of milk and let you guys bring me into the universe. Well, so, <laughs> I mean, it is, it is a show, it's ostensibly an anthology show, although that's kind of not really true by the end. It is... The episodes are uneven. There are some episodes that are some of the best storytelling that the MCU's done, and some that are really like, meh. Uh, what did you think of season one, Joe? I yeah, I thought it was overall it was it was a good um, season. It was a good viewing. Um, some of the episodes were like you said, eh. and um, the ones that I that I liked. I think a lot of it does play on the interconnectedness of the MCU. So it really is for the Marvel geeks. And but yeah, it also yeah. sets up a lot of possibilities, like bringing in a new adult T'Challa. <laughs> <laughs> and how much do these have impact on the main storylines? Well, are they just sort of night? Are, are they literally just what if this happened? And it's just kind of fun because that it was born out of the comics, yeah. right? The comics are more disconnected than this. This is more connected. This does play into, like, for instance, we saw Captain Carter as a star of the first episode of the first season, and uh, she'll be in the second season too. And we saw at least probably not the exact same version of her, but we saw a version of her in um, in Multiverse of Madness. So it really is these uh -huh. are this is a fuel for alternate universes that could cross over with the live action. Okay. And these so these came out of comics. So what's the origin yeah. story there? They're they're what if comics dating back you know forty years, just telling different stories from. A uh, different perspective. This was the original multiverse, yeah. right? Okay. This was because these comics were the Watcher saying, "This is how it played out on your Earth, but on another Earth, this is how this story played out, and what okay. the consequences of the story playing out differently." So yeah, it, the What If comics served as the original multiverse um, entry point for for comic book readers to to envision. The stories that they knew well, and then, you know, with a little change here, a little push there, what the story would be like if those changes actually happened on their earth. And it was a fun way to play with the comics, right? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. It gave you different, you know, switch up. Like, it makes me think of like, you know, you were, if you were a kid of an age and you had action figures and you had a Superman action figure with a Luke Skywalker uh, action figure. And it's like, what if, right? You know, what, yes. happened, what, well, it's yes. like Star Wars vision is, is sort of the Star Wars version of what if. Right. Right. Yeah, for sure. But so these episodes though, they're not directly based on this, any specific comics, but they are, they're comics, based right. on, um, right. You know, what if set within the MCU? So they, each one is tied to pretty much a specific movie and then kind of branches from there. Uh, so you can think of these as like the, the timelines that the TVA would prune. Interesting. A, a question about the watcher and Jeffrey Wright, who plays the, <clears throat> the voice of the watcher in, in most of what we see. 
that's got to be a sweet deal. He just gets paid for <laughs> every <laughs> once in a while recording some audio. You can just do it in his closet, you know, and, uh, you know, it's it's all good. Do we know if we're ever going to see Jeffrey Wright as the Watcher in, like, more substantial I feel like we or will. just these ethereal voices? I feel like we will. I mean. Yeah. I, 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 yeah. I agree. And I'm sure I he agree. records in a studio before people add in us. The, <laughs> <laughs> I know. I'm Not in his closet. But I just, it could be. He just yeah. shows up, right? Records some lines and then uh, collects a check and then, hey, yeah. great. You know, that's awesome. Uh, <laughs> so the um, does the watcher, but it's just, the watcher is just literally the watcher. He's well, just we're going to be talking universe, a lot right? about that. Normally. <laughs> that's good. That's kind of the thrust okay. of the season. Right. And the whole premise of mm-hmm. the what if is that, Right. Yeah. Okay. So Bye. the series, cool. um, just to mention some of the names behind it, uh, was created by AC Bradley, who's one of the writers for the Troll Hunter series and also the head writer and producer of, yes, uh, seasons one and two of this, and also worked on Ms. Marvel. Um, and the director is Brian Andrews, who was started out as a very prolific storyboard artist for working for decades with writing experience. Um, and now is also the director of the Marvel zombies, which is basically a spinoff of this season. Right. And that's coming. Marvel zombies is coming. And Marvel zombies is coming. And, uh, for speaking of the watcher. So every, every episode starts with the same narration and I feel like it should be read in John's voice. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, let's take a quick break. And when we get back, we will get into doing a recap of season one. And we're going to go episode by episode. So we're going to do a little uh, recap about it, um, talk about what's important, and then we'll move on to the next one. And we are back. Okay, let's get into our season one look back. We're going to look at every episode. We're going to have a little synopsis of the story, some of the production details, and then we're going to talk about uh, what is important out of these uh, individual contexts. So let's go. Time, space, reality. It's more than a linear path. It's a prism of endless possibility where a single choice can branch out into infinite realities, creating alternate worlds from the one you know. I am the watcher. I am your guide through these vast new realities. Follow me and ponder the question, what if? Uh, it sounds like different timelines equal different uh, universes, but John and I won't launch into that debate again. <laughs> but I am curious if in the future, especially with what's going on with Loki, if they're going to clarify the distinction. Oh, it's clear to me. It's very clear to me. <laughs> but in episode four, like the ancient one says, <laughs> says she split the timeline, allowing two of your possible timelines to exist in one universe. So that's, yeah. Oh, it is. It's anyway, that's the most clarification that we get. Uh, 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 yeah, there you it's go. Clear, there it's you clear. Go. It's clear. But I love the way. Speaking of the Watcher, that he's just often. Um, so basically, as John and I are like doing our story times, you can just imagine the Watcher. It just appears in the background in the sky over the action that's coming, and it's actually 
nice, really, I love the art of this. I know not everyone feels the same, but I think the, there's some beautiful yes. images in the show. Yes, I, I really love the animation. I did always really like great. seeing the way that they faded the the watcher in and out of a background mm-hmm. scene. It's sort of yeah. like if it's a so you know clouds or solar system or whatever, and then it slowly resolves or dissolves into a pattern that is the silhouette of the watcher. Really clever use. I thought that visually was a lot of fun. If, if I can say one thing, um, people should take note of how they did it because in Love and Thunder, that would be the appropriate way to have portrayed mm. eternity mm-hmm. instead of what they did mm-hmm. in that movie. So just a sidebar, quick note of my discontent <laughs> for that film was part of the way they portrayed some of the cosmic entities that um, you know we want to see on screen. So the way Got they it. did the Watcher in this animation was really on point. Sounds good. All right, well, let's start with episode one. What if Captain Carter were the first Avenger? Yeah, so this episode was directed by Brian Andrews, uh, who we talked about, and written by A.C. Bradley, the creator. And um, this is based on the Captain America, the first Avenger movie. And the change is that Peggy Carter and the others didn't leave to go into the observation room during Steve Rogers' super soldier procedure. So the undercover assassin Kruger attacked just as it was beginning, and Peggy had to jump in to undergo the procedure herself, or all that super soldier serum would go to waste. So, uh, you know, get your jammies ready, get out your cereal. It's time for story time. (laughs) Here's a a quick recap of everything that happened in this episode, the important points. Um, So Peggy comes out of of this uh, capsule jacked, obviously, and the government, they're unsurprisingly upset that she's a woman, but uh, she and scrawny Steve still sure like each other. There's talk of dancing. And Howard Stark, the brains of the government operations, is also on her side. And Steve's bestie, Bucky, is also cool, too. Um, Hydra, Hitler's supernatural science division, has been busy in Norway stealing an intense power source known as the Tesseract. So Peggy, as Captain Carter, and her Union Jack shield go to take down a bunch of Nazis to take it from them and capture their scientist, Zola. Howard uses the Tesseract to build the Hydra Stomper for Steve. It's a Hulk-sized Iron Man pre-prototype, and while Peggy goes to rescue Bucky in the Howling Commandos, um, Hydra, led by Red Skull, betrays the rest of the Nazis, talking about a true champion from beyond the stars. And in this version, when Captain Carter and company take out the train they're on, it's Steve in the Hydra Stomper who goes down with it instead of Bucky, which means they've lost the Tesseract too. So the rest of the, he- the, rest of the heroes regroup, to raid the Hydra stronghold, just in time to watch giant tentacles reaching through an interdimensional portal crush the Red Skull, but Steve and the Hydra Stomper are still intact, and Peggy pushes the tentacles back through the gates, promising Steve a dancing date Saturday night before she disappears to the other side. Nick Fury and Hawkeye later open that gate, and Captain Carter and bits of tentacles come flying out, but Captain Carter has missed her date by 70 years. The Watcher closes his narration. The end. This is one of the ones that I, right. I watched. And I, yeah, I think, you know, I the way that you sum, you're summizing it actually makes it a little bit more interesting than what I watched. But then I'm wondering, like, yeah, I'm, I'm missing yeah. context because I just, I, I've seen this stuff, but it just doesn't have that same wraparound 
uh, importance mm-hmm. to me, I guess, in some way. This, this is the one that was so, most like the source material, I think, uh, in terms of, yeah. Okay. Yes. Yes. It was a straight up, you know, Captain America first adventure. Yeah. Okay. All right. So, but, the, you know, I, I like the Peggy Carter character. So I'm partial to <laughs> to that character. I, yeah. I really enjoyed her. Um, I, I'm blanking on the actress's name, the actor's name. Uh, Haley Atwell. I really enjoy. Um, Haley Atwell. Again, I really enjoy Haley Atwell's portrayal of, of, of that character. So I was cool with the with the story playing out from a different perspective, which is exactly what what if mm-hmm. is. Yeah, that's what you're yeah. asking, right? Yeah, earlier, David. So it was, this would it's be really this one was really just a, a this would the, be the movie just yes. swap one character. Yes, this would be exactly what you would get in one of the comics early on, definitely. Like, right. what if this happened instead of what you have read already? Mm-hmm. Exactly the same circumstances except for one critical thing that changes the outcome of everything i think part of my lack of interest in this too was that i like the captain america character especially uh civil war winter soldier i love that arc the origin story movie with his international band of Mm -hmm. badasses I just never, I just never got into that whole vibe of of where he came from and and how he got started. The Red Skull stuff is interesting. The origin of Hydra stuff is interesting. But yeah, as an overall story, it's one of my lesser favorites. In the yeah, I'm not a World War II guy, right? Like watching those stories on screen, I think has become repetitive. Mm -hmm. And even in comic books, it's same to me. Like watching those stories, so but it was it was fine for what it was. Sure. It, this wasn't one of my favorite ones of the season. It was it was a fine way to start out. Uh, it shows what the format is going for. And this is one of the ones that we know is going to continue. Right. It, there are some interesting consequences of this story. Like there's no Bucky Winter Soldier in this universe. Uh, I guess somebody else is guarding the Soul Stone because Red Skull's done. Um, yeah. Dead. And right. but I still think some people, you know, Captain Carter obviously showed up in Multiverse of Madness in the universe that was labeled eight three eight. But I think this must be a different Captain Carter because they wouldn't have us invest as much time in a version that Wanda was just going to slice in a half with her Agreed. own shield. So Agreed. Agreed. Yeah, I'm wondering if if it's going to be right. when they do cross over these characters with the live action, will it be like Spider Verse where the animated ser- uh, um, animated characters are always animated or I'm just curious what they might do with that. Uh, Jean, did you did you get dark side vibes for the introduction of the champion of Hydra? I didn't. I, I didn't. I, I thought it was, um, you know, I, I very much got Elder God. Right. Right. Yeah. You know, that's definitely what um, they're going for. Lovecraftian. Yeah. yeah, it was totally Lovecraftian yeah. to me. So I didn't. I didn't see it as, as you know, like what we got in what was the Injustice League, the movie. Uh, the movie, right. I should say. Well, that's so, what yeah, I, I the vibe I was the getting. Dark side yeah. vibe. Yeah, yeah, I didn't get that, but I definitely got the the Lovecraftian theme with the tentacles coming out and and. Yeah, I got love. I got yeah, definitely. Lovecraft Cthulhu. Uh, yeah, from the that's what they were going for. for. But um, but yeah. it, there's a lot of con- discussion about what this creature might be because a lot of people at first were like it's Shumagoroth, but the rights they don't have the rights to that because. That I don't think so. The, with a Conan universe. Right. 
And then we had another tentacle right. creature, Gargantos, in uh, Multiverse of Madness, but I don't think it's that either. Some people think it might be a version of Hive. Huh, okay. I thought it was, I thought it was um, what we'll get into at the end of the season. Right. Well, I mean, it is, I think it's definitely the same creature we see show back up in episode four with Doctor Strange. Oh. No, I'm thinking the end okay. of the season, the final okay. two episodes. Okay. Of what if? Yeah. Of what if. Okay. I think when I first watched it back, that's the vibe that I get that maybe he was talking about that character as being the savior. Mm, interesting. Okay. Okay. Like, yeah, that's what All I got right. from it. Okay. Yeah. So for, if anyone wants more like of Haley Atwell as Peggy Carter in 616 or adjacent, then I definitely recommend the one shot, uh, which is called Agent Carter. But I also especially recommend the, there's a two season series, pretty short to watch. Not our one shot. Yeah, the MCU, uh, one, MCU one shot, one shot. Uh, which yeah. is just a short film. But the two-season series, Agent Carter, is a lot of fun. Uh, it crosses over with Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. All right, so let's move on to episode two. Yes. What if T'Challa became a Star-Lord? Director Brian Andrews. The writer was Matthew Chauncey, who also worked on the Troll Hunter shows and um, contributed to Ms. Marvel and Thor 4. So... The change. Yondu sent Kraglin to Earth to kidnap Peter Quill instead of going himself, but Kraglin kidnapped T'Challa. They kept T'Challa and raised him. T'Challa is much, much, much more of a cool <laughs> character than Peter Quill would ever could we be. We shouldn't have let you read this. I forgot about the <laughs> Peter Quill hate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Alicia, you set up this back and forth. So you missed oh, this one. Oh, my Star-Lord, my Star-Lord, where have you been all my life? This is, this is great. Oh, man. So this Star-Lord is really cool. He's like a space Robin Hood. And the re the Ravagers are his merry men. Like in Guardians, Star-Lord was sent to steal the Power Stone, but in this universe, he used a dying, um, to jumpstart a dying star and save a world. That's what he used it for. Because he said, no treasure is worth the good that can be done with it. The Ravagers party is in a space bar where Thanos shows up, but he's not the Thanos that we know. He's a really cool dude. He's a good guy because Star-Lord talked him down from the whole, you know, this erase half of the universe thing drax is a bartender we meet nebula who has some great <laughs> hair and she's in a relationship with star lord who she calls cha-cha she wants um his crew to help us steal the embers of genesis a special cosmic dust that can be used to terraform planets from the collector's museum in nowhere nowhere is the big um celestial space head that's used as a um, base of operations for folks the collector is now warlord and he's basically uh, one of the most powerful beings in this universe. During the heist, T'Challa's necklace um, unlocks a Wakandan flying craft, a spaceship that the collector has collected. Um, and then he learns that Yondu lied to him, that Wakanda wasn't destroyed, and T'Challa is torn. His father has been looking for him, and unbeknownst to him, he still has a family back on Earth, which puts this new family that he's you know found in, in tenuous trouble. Um, Nebula pays off a debt by betraying him, but it was part of a triple cross plan mm -hmm. with T'Challa, who's helped by Howard the Duck and the collector's captive, Karina, who liked what he said about 
uh, what T'Challa said about not locking people up in cages. Ultimately, it's the adoptive daddies who come to the rescue. Yandu stays to help T'Challa, together locking the Collector in one of his own cages, and Thanos tries to sacrifice himself for Nebula, who instead sacrifices the Embers of Genesis just to be able to save him. As terraforming takes over nowhere, Karina sticks the Collector's other captives on him, and Star-Lord and Yondu escape on the Wakandan ship, traveling all the way back to Earth, back to Wakanda, so that T'Challa could be reunited with his family. <laughs> Meanwhile in Kansas, Yondu failed to deliver Peter Quill to his father, the Celestial Ego. Ego went to Earth and found it himself, greeting his son in a Dairy Queen. Ego's eyes flash white before the Watcher warns that this might spell the end of the world. But that's for another day. Yeah, this was definitely one of the the highlights of this season. Um, that's what everyone seems to think, and I agree. Uh, yeah, big characters. We got a heist story. We got humor. We've got heart. Um, was this one of the ones you watched, David? I got maybe halfway through this, I think, because as you're reading the overview, Jean, I, I was like, oh, I didn't watch some of this stuff. <laughs> I definitely watched the beginning of it. And I remember, I think one of the things that bounced me out a little bit was how closely they were adhering to the movie voices. The actors of the movie, the actors who played the characters in the movies they really tried to recreate. Well, a lot those of them are the voices. same actors. Like, like for instance, Chadwick okay. Boseman. This was one of this was probably his final the last performance uh, released yeah. after his death. Yeah, really. Oh, yes. And yeah. Damon uh -huh. Hansu. Damon Hansu. Yeah, that was him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, well, I, <laughs> <laughs> they were off enough that they, I thought they were replacement actors who no, were mimicking no. their voices. So maybe I got tripped up in that sort of production detail. So that's interesting. Okay. All right. Well, uh, I, you know, discovering my own, I'm not bought into the storylines, mm -hmm. right? So I'm, we, we know that when we're not into the story, we, we nitpick on, on detail. Right. Uh, right. So noticing that there. So it sounds like it's a very complex yeah. story though. Triple crosses and paying off debts and it's all that definitely a high story. It's definitely okay. a high story. Um, and, and with an origin story, um, so both of those things, they had to, they had to accomplish a lot in however long the episode was. Right. Um, so they did a lot of background and they did a lot of, you know, um, seeding what's going to happen going forward, uh, in this episode. Yeah. Right. I mean, this was one though, it had a lot of heart too, with the, the father child storylines and, uh, and I, the humor didn't always work for me in season one of What If, but this is one of the episodes where it really did. Like, I loved, speaking of Jimin Hansu, the whole Korath storyline where he ends up joining yeah. the team yeah, and uh, he can't stop yeah, complimenting yeah. Star-Lord even when they're fighting. He's like, well, <laughs> yeah. Right. So it was one of the, one of the best running gags, you know. Um, it, that that was kind of funny, that whole uh, fawning over Star-Lord. Like, what if Star-Lord was... Star Lord, you know, actually lived up to his his uh, wanted yeah. reputation <laughs> as opposed to earned and reputation. I, I love Sean Gunn, so I, I love his Craglin. Um, and it, I, he was just going like full. He was reminding me. There's a TV show called Future Man, which is like a stupid sci-fi TV show that I really recommend to anyone who likes stupid sci-fi humor. Um, 
but he, you know, he's talking about, uh, well, he's got two see holes and two ear holes and one eat hole. So isn't he, isn't that the right one? (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. Um, and then of course is the iconic line of Ravager never flies solo, which only T'Challa says. Never flies solo. Only T'Challa says that, but this was one of my favorite episodes, um, as it was for many folks. Um, yeah, really got into the feels because of Chadwick. And um, yeah, and any Star-Lord that is not the Star-Lord is a better Star-Lord. <laughs> oh, <damn>. <laughs> <laughs> John. Um, I do... Take some objection, though, to how quickly Thanos is just, like, forgiven. You know, Nebula takes a little bit longer, which makes sense, because he did spend which her entire life torturing her. Like, we can't just forget that. Yes. Um, yes. Even if he's changed yes. his mind about... He's a terrible yeah, person. absolutely. And, but... In he did lose universe. his other so-called children. They were all the Collector's children now, so he was fighting the ones who were assisting him in Infinity War. And, yeah. Right. Right. Um, yeah. And of course I love that Howard the duck just keeps getting more attention. Like I'll, I'll take the spinoff. <laughs> we need uh Steve and Anthony over right. here from uh, properly Howard movie I mean, reviews. Howard the duck Check. sitting at a bar. I mean, you know, having a drink, what could be better than that? Right. <laughs> Do we know is, is Howard the duck going to feature in any future? Is he going to get a spinoff or a standalone? We haven't heard anything. But they, I, mean, I, don't I don't know. So. I they at least it. are going to include him any time that the uh, Guardians of the Galaxy show up, he shows up. Right. Okay. So Fair enough. Along, what's the dog? Cosmo? Uh, Cosmo, yeah. Mm-hmm. Cosmo, yes. Cosmo does appear yeah. so in this are... episode, I think. Maybe. Yeah. Anyway. I think it was yeah, this at episode. The end. At the end, yeah. he was in the episode. Yeah. She, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, yes, she, yes. She. Correct. Okay. Uh episode yeah, so. three. What if the world lost its mightiest heroes? I did okay, not. Okay, this, this was not one of the best ones, but here we go. <laughs> so it was directed by Brian Ad- uh, Andrews and written by AC Bradley and Matthew Chauncey. So, so basically all of these are a combination of those three people working on it. Um the change is that Hope Van Dyne, the wasp, has died. And her dad, Hank Pym, the original Ant-Man, uh, played by Kirk Douglas, has gone off the deep end and is now killing all of the Avengers. Uh, but they don't know that at first. So this is set back in the phase one timeline. And we have Nick Fury trying to put together the Avengers team. But a superhero serial killer is taking out those would-be Avengers one by one. So... um there's Black Widow. She gives Tony Stark a, a shot to help him and it ends up killing him and she's arrested and breaks out. And then when Thor comes to steal back his hammer from Fury and Hawkeye, Hawkeye's arrow is loosed against Hawkeye's will, killing Thor. And then Hawkeye's arrested and found dead in his cell. And uh, Black Widow goes to Betty Ross for help, um, who tells her the damage was done by something very, very small. Nick Fury is furious. And Loki shows up with an army of Chitari and ice magic to avenge his brother, just making everything worse. Elsewhere, Natasha uses Bruce Banner as a fake hostage, and then he's shot by something that forces him to hulk out until he explodes. And Black Widow figures out who the killer really is after she catches him accessing the Avengers database via his dead daughter's name. But the only message she can leave Fury before she herself is killed is, it's all about hope. 
Uh, luckily, Fury's clever, and he has a pager that can call Captain Marvel, which he quickly puts away, deciding to make a deal with Loki instead, since Loki is currently local. Uh, Fury goes to Hope Van Dyne's grave to confront Pym, who's been shrinking himself tiny to kill the Avengers from the inside out. Uh, and Pym says he blames S.H.I.E.L.D. because Hope died on a mission. And then Loki shows up and helps Fury capture Pym. But then uh, Loki decides to stay and take over Earth. But hey, there's world peace now. Um, Fury isn't really ready to give up. And as the Watcher says that he believes in every universe that Hope never dies, Fury uncovers a block of ice within which we can see the shield of Captain America. But when he welcomes back a captain over his shoulder, it's Captain Marvel standing there. This sounds like a, a actually an interesting storyline. It's disappointing that you, you you say that it's one of the least uh, well executed. I guess I don't know. Do. It just didn't like hit. What did you think, Sean, of this one? Um, as soon as Thor got killed with a bow and <laughs> arrow, I said to myself, "This ain't it." <laughs> okay, <laughs> this ain't it. because there, there, there's no there's no there there. I don't care if, how depowered he is. He's still Asgardian, right? Right. So, a mm-hmm. uh, man-made bow and arrow, unless it's tipped by, you know, vibranium, adamantium, and even then, he's still Thor. Would, it would take more than that to kill him. So, that being the thing that killed Thor, I said, <laughs> hell no. They, they lost me. At a lot of point. people who's from I mean, the Hulk death that didn't. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, yeah. yeah. I mean, so Hank Pym, he, Hank Pym does like frequently flirt with the dark side in the comics. So it's not weird for him to be cast. Yeah. He's a terrible yeah. character. in the So comics. it's not weird for him to be cast as a villain here. And that's cool. But, um, the motivation here seemed really weak. So that's why I just kind of shrug at this episode. Um, I agree too. I agree too. Like she, he's blaming shield for killing, uh, hope, but he's not killing the people of shield. Yeah. Like, okay. like it doesn't make sense. Like if you blame shield, why is Nick Fury still, still alive? Because you want to, you want to kill his wife, the other superheroes. He doesn't even yeah. know these yeah. characters. Right, but no, he doesn't exactly. even know, he doesn't care about these right. people. So what is that doing right. for him? What, you're killing his dream? What, what are you, what's the motivation for killing Iron Man, Thor, Hulk, Black Widow? Maybe Black Widow because she, she and him have been working together for a while, but there's no, there's no really, there's, no, there's, there's nothing here that should make Fury sad <laughs> you know what i mean like like if that's your if, if it's to punish the right. fury it's to punish shield then how are these random deaths at this moment because they're not mm-hmm. a team yet they're yeah. not a team so how right. are these random right. deaths you know avenging your your yeah. your daughter Yeah, I mean, and I just want to point out that he says Hope is killed on a mission outside Odessa. So first of all, this does make Hope one of the first Avengers. So I guess that's really the change. She joins the Avengers a lot sooner. But also, it means that she was most likely killed by Bucky in Winter Soldier mode. Uh, So and also, it's the second death in his family after 
like in the movies that we saw, he thinks his wife died uh, in a previous mission. So, okay, just saying that, I completely agree with everything you're saying, Jean, but just saying those are, that's the reasoning we're given, at least. It's, it, I, I, it, it doesn't add up. It doesn't add up. I, I hear it, I, I see it, and it's still weak <laughs> as, as hell. Um, Fair enough. I, I do like, there's a few things I, I do like about it that um, I, I think that we don't have actual Robert Downey Jr. or Scarlett Johansson reprising their roles in this one, but I think that Mike Wingert and Lake Bell do a good job. Um, I think it's cool that it points out how much of phase one took place over one week. So Iron Man 2, Hulk, Thor, the Avengers, this, all this action was taking place in one week. And it's, it is cool to see how that's brought together. Um, and I think it, there's some funny lines, especially about Coulson and, and Clint Barton, you know, talking about Thor, uh, like talking about sniffing his hair. And Coulson's <laughs> password is Steve, 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 I heart Steve, 0704. <laughs> um, <laughs> and Although I wonder, how can he be having this password about loving Steve if Steve is just being thawed out of a block of ice? But anyway. Um, and I also, can you imagine if, if Samuel L. Jackson ever did like the Kung Fury sort of uh, martial arts we saw Nick Fury doing in this episode? <laughs> right, right. It, it, I, no, I can't imagine Samuel L. Jackson doing it because he, he's not that. Oh man, the Nick Fury that I, I, I yeah, yeah, no. not one of the strongest. No, this was a big yeah, no for me. The only interesting thing I would say about this episode is that it shows how you know potentially Ant Man can do different things right. that we haven't seen in the MCU. That's the only saving grace that I have about this episode. Okay. That's it. Absolutely, got it. Okay, well, let's yeah. uh, put that one in the books. And the yeah, next one is so my favorite. Episode four. Mm -hmm. Really? Okay. Episode four. What if Doctor Strange lost his heart instead of his hand? This is by directed by Brian Andrews, written by A.C. Brad. Um, the Change. Christine Palmer joins Doctor Strange to speak at a conference instead of him going alone. And... When he crashes, he doesn't just cripple his hands. The accident also kills her. Dr. Strange studies in Kamitaj has a darker, even more, with an even more obsessive fervor. And obviously Wong and the Ancient One are concerned, especially after he gets his Time Stone toy. But he still faces off against Dormammu, becomes the Sorcerer Supreme, and then has time on his hands to try to fix the Christine problem. Using the Time Stone in the Eye of Agamotto, Strange really relives the car crash again and again, losing her every single time. The Ancient One shows up to try to stop him, but he can't stop. He can't accept that Christine's death is an absolute point in time, unchangeable, unmovable. Strange jumps into the ancient past looking for the library of Cagliostro. Did I say that right? Um, the source of the Eye of Agamotto. <laughs> there we go. The source of the Eye of Agamotto he wears around his neck, manipulating time. There, the librarian, Obang, gives him full run of the library, where Stephen reads that he can gain the power he needs by absorbing great beings. He starts with a tentacle creature like the one we saw in episode one, the champion of Hydra. It's too much for him, so he starts with smaller demons. 
stepping himself up in power one entity at a time. Finally, he takes the tentacles of the creature that bested him before. Ombang is old and dying by this time. But satisfied, satisfied with his life, he refuses to let Strange turn back time. He tells Strange he is but half a man living half a life. It turns out when Strange decided to desperately try to save Christine, the Ancient One split the timeline, creating another Strange who decided to let it go so that he can try to stop his own darker intentions. If Dark Strange reverses the absolute point and saves Christine, the paradox will destroy the universe. The two Stranges confront each other and their shared universes now bleeding away, with their shared universes now bleeding away. Dr. Strange is convinced that if they can remerge, they will be strong enough to save her. He started to look like the demons he's absorbed, gaunt, corrupted with the aspects of a dragon, a wolf, a snake, an elk, tentacles sprouting from his back. The Watcher wonders for the first time if he should intervene, but he mustn't to protect all the other universes. The darker side wins this epic fight, reabsorbing his better half and tearing the fabric of his universe for one last moment with Christine. But she's horrified by the monster she sees before her. Then she starts to leak away like everything else. Strange sees the Watcher watching and begs him for help. But the Watcher says, I am not a god and neither are you. He can't interfere. Then Christine is gone. Her last words, Stephen, what did you do? And Strange Supreme is left alone, curled up in regret in the small crystal bubble he created to save himself from the destruction of his world and his universe. <sighs> this is such... Oof, that one sounds dramatic. Such a heavy episode. <laughs> yeah. It was. And like it the was. Christine death montage, you know, each time she dies a different way because then he tries to stop doing the car accidents and he's like, well, let's just go to dinner instead. And then somebody accidentally shoots her and all this stuff. And the music, I have to shout out to the composer, Laura Carperman. The, she made wildly different music for every episode, for and, every, but yes. it all worked yes. so well. And this is this montage, especially just really, I can't watch it without tearing up. Um, so, yeah. So if, if I had a must watch list, this would definitely be. Yes. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. And also you're yes. going to, yes. you'll hear in the fandom people referring to strange Supreme. And it's, it's this version where like at one point he actually uh, pulls through a bug and um, he steals his cape and then sends the creature back. Cause he said, I draw the line of bugs, but so he has this like Dracula esque cape. So you can see strange Supreme and he oh, looks, funny. he looks darker and sometimes he looks demon esque. Yeah. I think that one of the things too that I bounced off of of uh, episode one and two was they really closely hewed to the original storyline, and so I was like, "Well, I'm just rewatching the the movie. I do I want my time in this?" Where this one sounds like it has some, even though it's closely in on the story, it has some really dramatic uh, tension to it. No, it uh, does. Heavy hitting story. It yeah. really does. This was a great episode, probably my favorite as well. Um, and just to see, you know, the, the, what if version, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, what if strange did this, this was, this was a, another direct callback to, to my reading comics when I was a kid, like, you know, what if the Phoenix had not died? You know, <laughs> you know mm -hmm. what I mean? Like these thoughts, the, the, these sorts of, of comics where it was just like, man, what we, 
thought we knew and how we saw it happen. So cool to watch it happen in a different way. Right. And this was that. This was that. Yeah. Although, so... I guess he must not have not blipped in this universe if he became Sorcerer Supreme, because that's why he didn't become Sorcerer Supreme in 636, because he blipped away. So Wong got it. Um, so I guess he stuck around. But I keep thinking, you know, the Ancient One says, her death motivated you to become who you are. And I'm like, he's going to be so mad when he meets 636 Strange and finds out he just crushed his hands. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. All right, ready for episode yes. five? So, okay, episode five. Uh, this is the episode that launched a new spinoff. What if zombies, which is kind of a r- ridiculous title, but not a sentence. Moving on. Um, directed again <laughs> by Brian Andrews, written by Matthew Ch- Chauncey. And the change is when Hulk falls back to Earth during the events of Infinity War, he finds a zombie apocalypse underway. So nobody cares that Thanos is coming because they're all undead. Tony and a couple other Avengers show up to take out the children of Thanos, but uh, then they turn on Bruce because they're zombies. Though Strange and Wong are now zombies in this universe, Strange's cape, the cloak of levitation, is on Bruce's side and helps him survive until the wasp shows up with a storm of bugs that devour the zombie Avengers to Bruce's disgust. Spider-Man swoops down and picks him up, Swinging him up to their high-up hideout in the city, the other rooftop survivors are Happy Hogan, Ant-Man's Russian friend Kurt, Bucky Barnes, Sharon Carter, and General Okoye of the Dora Milaje. And we find out that the zombie plague was started by Hank Pym, again, when he went to the... Oh, Hank Pym's doing dirty. (laughs) When he went to the quantum realm to look for his wife, she picked up a little brain-bending quantum virus, which was then unleashed on humanity. R.I.P. Hank Pym and Scott Lang, R.I.P. Humanity. When the Avengers came to help, their zombification made everything superpowered worse. Uh, there's another survival camp, though, at Shield's old Camp Lehigh in New Jersey, and they claim to have found a cure. They, so th- our crew goes to Grand Central, New York City, and when the zombie Avengers show up and all hell breaks loose again, we lose Happy, but the rest manage to hotwire a train and get out of there. There's like a second of chill time, and then Zombie Cap is eating Sharon, and Bucky and Hope have to take him out. But some of Sharon's zombie guts leaked into a cut on Hope's shoulder. She she's, goes slow. She fades slowly, arguing with them to kill her while they argue they could, they could be minutes from a cure. But once she's gone, we've got a zombie who can turn into a giant, but not before she carries them in giant form over the zombie horde between their broken down train and Camp Lehigh where the survivors notice the zombies don't even try to come inside. They find Vision there, who says it's the Mind Stone that keeps them at bay. He says he's been experimenting with its power as a cure, and the chatty, severed head of Scott Lang reveals himself as a positive outcome of those experiments. And Okoye says Wakanda, the last human sanctuary on Earth, has the technology to distribute this cure. So Vision isn't so enthusiastic, though, and when Bucky finds a partially eaten T'Challa, they find out the, ca- uh, the camp is a trap laid by Vision to feed his zombified Scarlet Witch Bride. Her powers are too strong to be treated with the Mind Stone, and she takes out Kurt and Okoye, but Vision helps the rest get out. He pulls the Mind Stone out of his own head to give it to them, killing himself because he can't leave uh, Wanda, but he can't force himself to kill her either. 
Even zombified, she's devastated over Vision's death. Bucky stays behind to distract her, giving the remainder a head start. She bites Bruce, and he takes her on, allowing partially eaten T'Challa, Peter Parker, and the cloak of Ant-Man head levitation to narrowly escape the grasp of zombie, of giant zombie hope, and head toward Wakanda with the Mind Stone, the hopeful cure to save this universe. In the final shot, we see the zombie hordes banging on the force field around Wakanda, led by a zombie Thanos. His infinity gauntlet contains every stone except the Mind Stone. I mean, a zombie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what could be better than that? Zombie superheroes and supervillains. I mean, this is a Rick rollicking good time. So, <laughs> I, I didn't yeah. need a plot. I didn't need a plot. I just needed. I just needed zombies. That's it. I was in from inception, so it was really cool to see. Uh, yeah, I liked it. <laughs> so should this go on my list uh, of? I mean, it depends watch? how you feel about zombies. I mean, I think some of it, it's not one of my favorite of the season. Although I do like the zombie um, premise, but it's not one of my favorite just because some of the lines just land wrong to me. Like when, yeah. when Okoye takes out Zombie Sam, she's like, "Oh, that was your friend. Sorry about that." And Bucky's like, "Oh, I should be sad, but I'm not." I'm like, uh, "I don't know." Yeah, it's just, it's the, the cringe humor is my only problem. But then there are other lines that kind of make me laugh, like when um, Happy gets zombified and he has the Iron Man glove. He's still saying "blam blam" like he was saying before. <laughs> so it's a mixed bag for me. Okay. Yeah, it's yeah. just it's just zombies, man. It's zombies. Right. You know what I mean? If you're, down if, for if, zombies, if you're down for some zombie action, then yeah, watch it. If you're not, you, you can skip it. There's nothing that. There's a lot of discussion. Do you think that uh, Spider-Man and Hope were flirting? Because it, it, a lot of people, yeah, and it feels yes. a little weird because of the age gap. It does. It, I think, yeah, definitely, definitely. So I, I think the comic, um, the Marvel Zombies comic, did it better, obviously. But again, this was, uh, yeah. It was cool to watch. And uh, we find out, um, I think it's prime, prime Peter Parker. You know, we have his earnestness with, I don't think I can lose another friend today. And we find out that basically he yeah. was saved from zombie fate because he turned down Tony when he offered him the spot on the Avengers in this, in this universe. In this universe. Uh, uh, he says, my Aunt May says, or used to say. So she's, so yeah. it's like, oh, poor R.A.P. Aunt May again. Yeah, again, <laughs> another one. So, but yeah, uh, it was cool. I, I it was cool. It was cool yeah. to to see the zombies. That, that, that's what I keep going yeah. back to. Again, the plot of the of the the story, the, the, the storytelling, like the, the you know some of, like you said some of the the conversations and the lines fall flat. None of that mattered to me because I I wanted to see more. You know. Brains. <laughs> so it was cool. Uh, um, so it was cool. I love the kitschy right. intro videos that they do when they land on the rooftop. It reminded me a little bit like Miss yeah, Marvel. That, that was cool, you know, yeah. With the, these are the rules yeah, that we was use cool. to stay alive. Just a fun little aside. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was cool. That was cool. All right, episode six. What if Killamonger rescued Tony Stark? Directed by Brian Andrews, written by Matthew Chauncey. The change when the military convoy Tony Stark is traveling with in Afghanistan during the events of Iron Man 2008 is attacked. Killmonger shows up and Killmonger shows up and rescues him, preventing him from being captured and thus preventing him from becoming Iron Man. 
Tony makes Killmonger the chief security officer at Stark Industries instead of Happy. Mm-hmm. Um, Killmonger, Killmonger says he was on a deep cover, deep undercover operation inside Ten Rings, out Obadiah Stane as a traitor, um, getting him out of the way faster. So then Tony promotes Killmonger to Stane's old job, COO. Pepper is skeptical. She goes to Rhodey um, for info on Killmonger, but his profile checks out. He's deadly, but he's clean. Other for other than the killing part, which is okay with Rhodey as long as it's done for the government. Pepper is still suspicious. Killmonger's got Tony's ear, who's eager to help him build combat drones when he shares his idea in the Gundam <laughs> design. <laughs> I like anime. What? <laughs> uh, uh, I'm yeah, cool no, with it. Like they it. just need no, vibranium. I mean, that's what he says. I like that. <laughs> no, yeah, yeah, I know. Um, they just need vibranium. Uh, uh, Pepper is again trying to be the voice of reason, arguing they cannot hire an arms dealer. Ulysses Claw to get it. Killmonger surprisingly agrees, so they send Rhodey as the go-between to buy black market Dore Malaji Spear. T'Challa shows up as the Black Panther, taking everyone out but Rhodey and Claw. Then Killmonger shows up, disabling and killing his cousin with a sonic taser and framing it on the dead Rhodey, taking back the Black Panther suit, taking the Black Panther suit to go. He and Claw were in cahoots. This was all a setup. Tony caught wind of what happened on security footage. When he confronts Killmonger, Killmonger kills him too. Not even finish, not even the finished Gundam bot can save him. And since Killmonger used the Dore Mardage spear, the Wakandans get blamed, framing it as an act of revenge for T'Challa's death. Pepper and Happy are looking at Killmonger like he's more suspect than ever because, like, how was none of this captured on security camera? General Ross is on his side, so Killmonger gets his Gundam army. I can't stop laughing when I say that. Um, Killmonger kills Claw and carries his corpse into Wakanda as a gift, announcing his connection to the royal family. He pretends to save them from his own robot army, and Thunderbolt Ross is like, whoa, Wakanda is real. Let's get rid of all of them. They Africans can't have all this power. No, no, no. That doesn't work out for him. Killmonger, having proven himself in battle, is given the heart-shaped herb to officially become the next Black Panther. He and T'Challa argue on the ancestral plane, and Tony is being cast as a martyr in General Ross's new war on Wakanda. Pepper is like, I swear everyone around me has lost it, but there's someone who shares her suspicions and desire to take down the man who took out the people they love. A death chair swivels around, revealing T'Challa's sister, Shuri. Then, maybe. <laughs> yeah, this one got a mixed reception, but it was it was one of my favorites on the first watch, and it's maybe middle upper middle of the pack for me this time. I think it's a much more effective st- serial killer story than the Hank Pym one. What did you think of it, Jean, when you first saw it? I didn't like it at first when I when I initially watched the episode. I didn't I didn't like it. Uh, I had I had issues with with Killmonger just being able to to infiltrate Tony's confidence mm-hmm. so easily. Okay. Because at this moment in time, Tony is effectively still an alcoholic. He, he's not really in control of Stark mm-hmm. Industries. So I would think that they would have those other characters like Happy and Pepper, who he would actually 
you know, pay more attention to and how they feel about things than just completely say, oh, this is my new best friend because you saved my life. Right. You know what I mean? Like there would be more of some sort of, of um, I don't want to say control, but there would be, it just, it just didn't seem real to me or right to me that he placed all his trust in Eric as soon yeah. as he did. Like it wasn't earned. I feel like the plot and and that's one of the things in what if in general is, you know, the episodes are short and they pack a lot in. uh, And so the plot sometimes moves a little too quickly to be believable. It's like, uh, yeah. Right. Like he effectively became his best friend. He, he pushed Rhodey to the side. And I just don't think that's, you know, like true to those characters. Although he is, he's douchier because he doesn't have that captivity experience. So they communicate that with us, you know, that his time um, being a prisoner and building that suit for himself uh, made him more responsible. Yeah. Changed him. Right. Right. Yeah. I I love though, some of the, some of the lines that Killmonger gets, well, there's some interesting ideas. Like there's uh, Killmonger says that Rhodey's wearing the uniform of his oppressors and uh, Rhodey says, got to be part of the system to change it, which is something I see coming back in Marvel, um, both the comic books and the MCU over and over again. And I think the the line when Killmonger kills Tony and he's like, we're not fighting the same battles, Tony. He regrets killing him, but he's, and um, and Tony's like, what? Two gearheaded orphans trying to fi- ri- trying to do right by our fathers. And Killmonger re- responds, "The difference between you and me is that you can't see the difference between you and me." See the difference. And that I think that's an all timer line. Yeah. Ooh, that's a good line. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's fire. It is. It is. The the thing I I, I would say for I think um, the roadie perspective is that. Marvel has been shifting away from him being this, you know, super gung-ho pro, you know, Mm. USA type Mm -hmm. of character in the last few years. Um, So that felt off to me as well, because, you know, reading Rhodey for the last, you know, five, 10 years, he hasn't been that, right? You know, he's, first and foremost, he's a superhero, not an agent of the U.S. government like in the comic, you know, these, this past decade. So there's, there's a big shift in his character development in the writing that wasn't reflected in this, um, in this show. And that, that kind of, you know, put me off as well. Killmonger's, you know, his story, Eric's story is, is going to resonate whenever he shows up. You know what I'm saying? Like he yeah. has one of the most compelling, um, raison yeah. d'etre, that any villain yeah, has. and right? He has one. I know. And, and Michael B. Jordan too. In fact, we can't, uh, that's also, yes. this character is just gonna, yes. every time it's going to hit. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Every time, every time. And, you know, like I said, I didn't enjoy it on my first viewing, but on my other viewings, I, I, it grew on me, especially the scene with him and T'Challa in, on the ancestral plane, right. which, which is, you know, the scene that, he had with Shuri and Black Panther 2, you know, flipped. You know what I mean? So it was really, uh, that scene was, was really well done. It was really well done. Yeah. So it doesn't rank 
highly as high. It's in my top five, but not my top. Yeah, five. I, f- I feel like a lot of the backlash also was because people were upset uh, with what if season one in general, how often Tony Stark died. Um, and there was a the idea that maybe they're trying to clear him out of as many uh, realities as possible because, you know, uh, Robert Downey Jr. is too expensive to have back until Secret Wars. <laughs> so we got to have like one that comes back in Secret Wars. But uh, sorry, in Secret, yeah, Secret Wars. But I did like Shuri ended this at the end. Mr. Stark was a genius, but he was not the only genius. And that really stuck with me. This is obviously before right. Wakanda Forever came out and everything. And I was like, yeah, that's Shuri's one to watch. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, and again, these are the things that Marvel has been hinting at and going towards expanding characters and, and giving you new ideas and new ways to look at characters. And, you know, definitely Shuri has been portrayed on screen as, uh, you know, super high genius level intellect in the MCU and is, you know, being reflected across the board in all properties, comics animation movies which is a good thing yeah 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 the next episode is definitely for me one of the weaker ones but it's it's kind of fun in a rewatch i don't hate it it's episode seven what if thor were an only child and again directed by brian andrews written by ac bradley and the changes in this reality odin didn't uh, adopt loki instead he returned the blue baby to the frost giant so thor grew up an only child yeah so We're set during the timeline of the Thor movie and Jane Foster and our favorite sassy scientist Darcy are studying an astronomical, uh, sorry, marker, are studying an astronomical anomaly uh, similar to the start of Thor, but Thor who shows up hasn't had that pesky brother Loki there to worry about, which actually pushed him into learning more responsibility, we figure out through this story. Um, Thor's dad has just entered the Odin sleep His mom is visiting her sister, and he's decided to slip off to the most backwater planet he can think of, somewhere Heimdall will not be watching, so he can throw a giant intergalactic rager. So Sif and the Warriors 3 are in on it, and the guest list is a who's who of the cosmic MCU. We've got Nebula, Drax, Korg, the Scrolls, the Game Master, even Sartre and the Executioner, but everybody's just here to have a good time. Jane, however knows that the anomaly she and Darcy were studying ended in a small planet being destroyed, R.I.P. Alpha Star, and she begins to worry about this party. But Thor assures her Alpha Star was really just more of an asteroid and on its way out anyway. And also, Thor is like super hot, and he's into Jane. Uh, So Darcy gets stuck as wingwoman with Howard the Duck declaring it not a date, but several drunken hours later, as the party spreads around the planet, she's marrying him in a quickie Elvis impersonator ceremony. Um, the next morning, <laughs> Jane wakes up. <laughs> yeah, sure it's, a, it's a big party. The next morning, Jane wakes up with a wicked hangover, half naked bodies sprawled all over the Vegas suite she finds herself in, and Agent Rumlow and Maria Hill are banging on the door. Um, after a party accident the night before, Knocking on the door. (laughs) (laughs) Banging on the door with their fists. (laughs) I said it was a party. No, Maria Hill is not here to party. Uh, After an accident landed Fury in a coma, Maria is the acting director of S.H.I.E.L.D. and she needs Jane to tell her about this anomaly she was studying. Maria reveals that this isn't Earth's first alien rodeo and she breaks out the Captain Marvel beeper. 
Loki shows up to the party, but he's a big blue frost giant. And it turns out he and Thor are besties in this reality. Brothers from another mother, they call each other. But before um, before Loki can help Thor take things up a notch, Captain Marvel shows up to poop on the party. Thor won't go, so they fight around the world, destroying things even more, until Thor eventually wins by pinning her under his hammer, and Maria's disappointed in Carol. She wants her to use her full power, but Carol says that could destroy the world. And then Maria kicks Jane, who keeps trying to protect Thor, and Darcy, who won't stop fangirling over Carol, out of the meeting. Maria gets Carol to lead Thor to the Mojave Desert to fight him there, readying some nukes as backup over Agent Coulson's objections. But, ba- but Jane has a more effective plan. One of Darcy's offhand comments has given her the idea to call Thor's mom. She uses science to get in touch with Heimdall, who f- whisks her off to see Frigga, uh, where Jane tells her what's going on. Frigga astral projects to Thor, stepping in just as Maria was going to set off the nukes, and Thor claims he only came to Midgard, or Earth as the locals call it, to study as part of a cultural exchange. Frigga says she's coming in person to see for herself, and Jane says she'll help Thor sell his cover story if he cleans up the mess he made. Loki's immediately out on cleanup duty, but Thor manages to bully most of the rest into setting things right, a little too right in the case of the formerly formerly leaning Tower of Pisa. Um, So when Frigga arrives, the study group of Asgardians she finds looks legit. Of course, Frigga doesn't buy it, but Captain Marvel also shows up to sell the story. So Frigga lets, lets it go. And Thor says Jane wasn't cool to call his mom, but she was right. And he asks her on a date to a planet of unicorns. All seems well until a portal opens and a bunch of Ultron sentry drones pour through. The end? Jeez, this is that was a packed episode. <laughs> <laughs> I'm having trouble keeping up just with your recap. But, I mean, it was also kind of the most frivolous of the bunch. It was just like, let's have a party episode where a bunch of crazy stuff happens. So I kind of, I don't hate it for that reason. You know, that's that's what it wanted to be. Right. What did you think of it, John? Right on. Yeah. I liked it. it was <laughs> okay, one of my cool. Favorites. Yeah, it's in my top five. It was one of my favorite episodes. I really liked. Um, I thought it was just fun you know, uh, a break, you know, from seriousness and, and taking, taking it, you know, these stories, taking themselves seriously, you know? And, um, and I like the, the, the aspect of what Thor would be mm-hmm. without Loki, as you know, constantly by his side, causing him to maybe become a better version of himself. Like right. he, he right. learns that lesson because of Loki, which, right. you know, ties in nicely with what we've seen from the Loki, um, series yeah. as well, right? Um, so I, you know, from first watching it, I, I thought it was cool. I thought it was really funny. Um, some really great spots, and you know, seeing Thor just be like a, a what you could imagine uh, the Thunder God and the Prince of Asgard to be uh, a spoiled right. brat, basically. You know what I mean? And um, come to to find out that. Frigga is a whole lot more powerful than we mm-hmm. give her credit for. <laughs> Thor's mom, right? Because he's scared shitless of what's going to happen if she finds out what he's been doing. And it's a cool little, you know, side view, side way to see these characters. And I, I just, I, I enjoyed it. I liked it. I, it didn't take itself yeah. seriously at all. And I think that was, that was, that was great. I mean, some a lot of the humor did not work for for me. Some of it did, like this the stupid humor, like um, 
What was that boom? Did you boom? I only boom in private. That was funny. Yeah, I only boom in <laughs> favor. But I have to say, they used some of my favorite female characters, and I didn't enjoy the way they were characterized in this, which again is some part of it's like just the speeding over things, but it's also like, I don't know, what are they doing with Darcy marrying Howard the Duck? Um, and then Loki's like trying yeah, to like, pick weird. up artists. Yeah. It, it's just, but it was also kind of low-key heart, heartbreaking that Frigga is not, she's so important in the MCU to Loki as his mother. And in this, she's yes, he's like, not yes, my mother, not yes. my problem. Yes, yes. And, and that's uh, uh, the dynamic between the brothers, I think, you know, what, this is the what if, you know, what if these brothers were not, you know, by each other's sides, what yeah. would they be? You know, and I think that that calls into question a real a lot of things especially in hindsight viewing it through the lens that i viewed loki the series yeah i i have one time i got really mad at thor in this was when he knocks down stonehenge and he's like oh no your weird your weird rocks have fallen over and i was like get him carol sick <laughs> he fixes it later it's fine <laughs> so yeah I, I enjoyed that episode I, it was, it was fun. yeah it's a fun silly frivolous one yeah so should I put that on my list of, of things I should uh, watch? It depends. If it sounds... It doesn't need to be the first one. Yeah. If, it's, if, if it sounds appealing to you, then go for it. Um, just know just yeah. know what you're going you, You're not missing anything yeah. by not watching it. Basically. Okay. All right. Um, episode eight. What if Ultron won? Directed by Brian Andrews. Written by Matthew Chauncey. This is part one of a, part, of a two-part story. The Change. The Avengers don't steal the vibranium body of Ultron that he created for himself, so Vision is never born, and Ultron wins. The age of Ultron begins, led by a more powerful Ultron who looks but doesn't sound like the Vision we know. What happens? We open on Black Widow and Hawkeye, now fitted with a robo-arm fighting Ultron's hordes They're in Russia, looking for the key to take Ultron down. Black Widow wants to take out satellite networks so Ultron can't launch all the nukes in the world, but Ultron kills Tony and it's too late. Total global devastation. And Ultron says, at last, peace. Then Thanos walks through the portal with an almost full infinity gauntlet, and Ultron just slices him in half, which was really <laughs> cool. <laughs> now, Ultron, Ultra Ultron, has a new infinity stone studded suit of armor, and he's aware that there are other worlds within his universe. He decides he needs to save them all from themselves. He takes out Asgard, the Sovereign, and the, the Guardians of the Galaxy, um, Sakaar with Korg and the Grandmaster, Ego, Xandar, that's, and that's where Captain Marvel finally intervenes. So he takes her out too, and all the other planets in that sector. It's done, at last. He declared. But now, without a purpose, Robo Depression said, that's when he starts to hear the Watcher narrating. And he realizes there are more universes than his own. The Watcher panics from his viewing place between the planes of the different universes. He says there is one last hope, and we cut to Black Widow and Hawkeye breaking into the KGB archives. Natasha is looking for an old AI not linked to the online world, who can take down Ultron's code. The Watcher sees Zola's file and wants to nudge the box it's in, 
but he can't intervene according to his own rules. Clint gives up, but the Black Widow spots it in the very box he gave up on. And then Ultron bursts into the Watcher's plane and attacks him. Natasha and Clint boot up Zola, catch him up, and tell him that they'll destroy him, the last Zola copy, if he doesn't help. So he does. They manage to capture one of Ultron's sentries, inserting Zola's code, and taking out his legs so he can't betray them. As the sentries swarm the building, Clint, tired of fighting, sacrifices himself, and Natasha carries Zola out. But Ultron's hive mind is out of range, where Zola can't reach it. Ultron is busy fighting the Watcher, punching him across universe after universe. Finally, the Watcher escapes him. Ultron lets him go with the words, run, watch. It doesn't matter. From here, I can see everything. No one can stop. And the Watcher, defeated, goes to the pocket universe where Strange Supreme is imprisoned after the events of Episode 4. He asks Strange for help. And Strange asks him if he's ready to break his oath. Definitely not <laughs> the end. <laughs> so, yeah, David, I would say that this and the last two episodes of this season, this and the next one, you should definitely put on your must-watch list. Yeah. Okay. Got it. Eight and nine on the list. And I, I just, yeah. I love the apocalypse opening of this one where, with uh, Natasha and Clint. And this is yes. actually my favorite version of Hawkeye that I've ever seen. So it kind of makes me want oh, wow. an animated okay. Hawkeye series. Okay. Um, okay. They could have some fun with that. Yeah. I can see that happening. I don't see why not. Because he was an agent. He like cruised around, did a lot of stuff. He could do Mission of the Week. Well, they could also do the Ronin story during the blip. Uh, do I don't want that. No? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want, I don't want um, I love that. So Natasha finds uh, the Red Guardian, you know, Alexei uh, was her dad, the one who raised her kind of, yeah. um, but she finds his shield and she uses it for the rest of the episode. And that was really cool. I would like to see more of Natasha in the shield. This was really, uh, uh, this was fun. Yeah, this, this was, was fun. fun. This is why, you know, this is, this is what you can do with mm -hmm. animation that you can't mm -hmm, do in yeah. live action. And um, this was so, it was well done. Uh, the action sequences were, mm -hmm. were awesome. When he, you know, when he slices, when he slices Thanos, it's just. There was so much discussion about yeah. that. Not everybody was happy about yeah. that. Because they were like, well, if it's that easy, then what was, you know. <laughs> <laughs> what was the big deal? Oh, the big, but of course, no, that version, the big deal is that heroes yeah, don't kill. That version of Ultron didn't That's exist. That's the big deal. Right. That version of Ultron does, doesn't exist and heroes yeah. don't kill. So this, this is a villain who has no compulsion about doing villainous yeah. things. But, yeah. So even if, if we watch, you know, at the end of, of what Endgame, at the beginning of Endgame, there's a lot of, of you know, sadness when he decapitates, you know, mm -hmm. Thanos. You know what I mean? Like, Heroes don't do those sorts of things. So when people were like, oh, it was so easy and how could he have done that? I'm like, well, he did it because he had no compulsion against right. doing it. 
Yeah, it's rich of him that he blames the Watcher for not intervening in the suffering of all those worlds. And it's like, you're the guy causing the suffering wherever you can, (laughs) like super rich. Right, Um, right. But yeah, I love, there's one image in there where he almost becomes like Galactus and takes a bite out of the galaxy they're in. Like that's, again, those things you can do in animation. That was really cool. That you can't do in live action. And and the scene where where you're talking about the uh, apocalypse with with um black widow mm-hmm. and hawkeye when they're running on the rooftop just there's just so many great little things going yeah. on in this and yeah just the you know like the the robots the the ultrons climbing up after them right the silo, yeah. just yeah just really good stuff good stuff so definitely this is a this is a a, a watch thing, yeah definitely. okay and it rolls awesome. sorry and then it Right yeah. into episode nine. Rolls right yeah. into yeah. episode nine. What if the Watcher broke his oath? So directed by Brian Andrews, right, written by AC Bradley. The change is the Watcher breaks his oath. And so what happens is it picks up uh, right after the event of episode eight. And we go back to Captain Carter from episode one, who's breaking into Bart- uh, Bartok's boat with her universe's version of Black Widow. So not the Black Widow. We saw a different Black Widow. Um, and the Watcher shows up in the sky and tells her she's been chosen. We then switch to a view of drones attacking a Dairy Queen where Ego is taking possession of his son, Peter Quill. And this is following on the events of episode two. And then Star-Lord T'Challa rescues Quill and the Watcher appears to tell T'Challa he's been chosen. A version of Tony and Gamora who we'll meet in season two of What If. Uh, They're melting down an infinity gauntlet in the forge of uh, Itri, the king of the dwarves. And Tony is ironically pitching his armor around the world idea or nay, the galaxy. When the Watcher shows up to collect Gamora, survivor of Sakaar, he calls her destroyer of Thanos, and clarifies, not you, Stark. Um, another dig at the Tony <laughs> fans. And then he collects episode six, Killmonger, just as Pepper and Shuri are charging into battle to take him down. The next pick seems equally, or even more unlikely, Party Thor from episode seven, pulled from his battle with the Ultron drones who have infected his own universe. And this motley crew, uh, they meet Strange Supreme in a replica of the pub where Steve and Peggy had their date in episode one. And the Watcher says that this team has the perfect combination of skills and experience that alone will triumph over the Ultra Ultron threat. He dubs them the Guardians of the Multiverse. Their mission is to separate Ultron's body from the Infinity Stones. Thor will provide a distraction. Gamora will use her infinity stone uh, stone destroying machine and the rest will fight. The guardians have a toast. Strange delivers a terrible depressing speech. T'Challa is much better at it. And then Thor shoots off a celebratory lightning, which attracts the attention of Ultron earlier than planned. Whoops. Strange loads them up with protection charms and the team gets into position. Working together, T'Challa manages to steal the soul stone from Ultron. Strange, who occasionally has trouble holding his human form, unleashes some of his inner demons and then dumps a mountain of zombies from the zombie universe on top of Ultron, including zombie Scarlet Witch. Ultron takes her out and the planet they're on while the Guardians escape to another universe, Ultron's own universe where they meet Apocalypse, Black Widow, now the sole survivor on her planet. She joins the team as Ultron comes back to fight. 
Strange is in full demon form by now, using every trick he knows, and Gamora uses a soul stone to power the stone eater and sick it on Ultron, seeming to destroy Ultron, but the Crusher was designed to destroy the stones in Gamora's world, not this one. So Ultron rises again with all six stones back. Realizing Strange is the one protecting the whole group, he turns his attention to him. Black Widow uses the distraction to load an arrow with a computer virus, the Zola code. And just as Strange is starting to flag in the fight against Ultron, Black Widow jumps off a rooftop in a motorcycle, shooting the arrow, and Captain Carter jumps off another rooftop, landing on Ultron's neck, pulling off his helmet so the arrow can pierce his eye. Zola is now inside Ultron and takes over his body, at which point Killmonger steps out of the shadows to take Ultron's armor with the stones for himself, saying he wants to fix all their worlds. The rest of the team is not on board, so he readies to fight them, but Zola Ultron wants the armor back, so he must face him instead. And as the two fight, Strange locks them in his pocket dimension prison, Zola Zola Ultron and Killmonger perpetually fighting over the stones, neither ever getting them, and Strange is left to watch over this pocket dimension. The rest are sent back to their universes, to the moment where they were picked up, but Apocalypse Black Widow doesn't really have a world to go back to, so the Watcher returns her to a world very like 636 in the throes of the plot of the Avengers. This world has lost their Black Widow, and Fury knows this is a different Natasha, but he accepts her. Now, now it's the end, except there is a credit scene where Carter is back with her own Black Widow, who has found the Hydra Stomper, and there's someone inside, Natasha says with a smirk. End of season. God, that is like, (laughs) I thought those previous ones were complex. This This was a longer episode than the others too. Um, It pulls together every single episode except for episode three, which is kind of funny. Just completely ignores episode three. Every other episode, including one that didn't even make it into the first season is there. (laughs) Wild. Absolutely wild. But watchable if I haven't watched all the Yeah, I mean, just watch the one before it. Yeah. Right, right. But I mean, with the crusher and the but the crusher the, is you don't still, need you won't even see that episode until season two, the, where the crusher comes from. Yeah. Okay. Right. You don't need anything. Just watch. Um, yeah. Nine. Okay. So yeah, which is funny because now we know how that episode with Gamora um, and the game master is going to end. But whatever, that's fine. I'm still happy to see it. It got delayed because of COVID. So. Wow. Okay. Um, that sounds like a, a a wild ride. I definitely will check out eight and nine uh, for before season two yeah. starts. Yeah, definitely. So, um, definitely. Yeah, there's some conversation about uh, about Peggy's love life. So we have Black Widow throughout it. The episode wants her to move on from Steve because he's long gone. Uh, but of course. Bernard, 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 sorry, from accounting doesn't sound very appealing, which is, you know, kind of taking the, those reverse lines from the Captain America movie. Um, but then we, right. th- we have the question, who's in the Hydra Stomper? Is it Steve? And then also in another point, there's a conversation where Strange says, in my universe, Steve Rogers received this, the serum. And Carter's like, oh, now that would be a sight to see. But <laughs> there's also <laughs> another uh, ship going on. So at one point... 
Peggy is trying to convince the apocalypse Black Widow to trust them. And she says, I know you, your father is Ivan, your dad is Alexi, and you are the one woman I trust to have my six. And out of that line, a universe of shippers is born. So <laughs> it's all yeah. up in the air. What will happen with that? <laughs> all right. Wow. So I, I, going back, I would say watch eight, nine. And definitely. F- and four, for um, sure. Four, for sure. Um, and then two. Yeah, yeah. And any, if anything else appeals to you, watch it. I mean, they're all worth it. Yeah. They're short episodes, you know, so they're all worth a watch. Um, yeah. Eight, nine, yeah. four, and two. Got it. Yeah. But I'm hoping they... Eight, nine, four, two, five. Yeah. <laughs> Four two five. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, the zombies. Um, All right. Yeah, that's the zombies. I mean, the zombies are just fun. Eight, yeah. nine, eight for and sure, nine for though. sure, and four for sure, yeah. and two right. is yeah. a good one too. Um, okay. Yeah, everything else is, is you know yeah. up to your discretion. But definitely, like Alicia said, eight, nine, four. Okay. Yeah, that's I hope doable. in season two that they um, that they clarify how some of the lore works together because some of the lore in this show seems to contradict other lore. Like does black widow being in a new world cause an incursion? Do infinity stones work outside the universe or not? Uh, so a lot of these questions up in the air, but I, I think it's just, yeah, we shouldn't take this sh- show too seriously. And if you don't, then it actually offers more than you expect. Yes. Agree. Agree with that. Cool. Anything else? Let's, um, no, let's get into season two previews. Yeah. Yeah. Let's take a break, and then when we get back, we'll do the season two. And we're back. Okay, after that amazing rundown of season one, thank you, Alicia. That was a lot of wordsmithing <laughs> lot of, that you, you did. That was incredible. Let's uh, let's talk about our season two preview. It's going to be released December 22nd, and there's one episode a day, every day, through the 30th on Disney+. Plus. And we've got a release of titles, mm-hmm. Alicia. Is that right? We we know every every title. Yeah, that we're and so get. this tells us what to expect. Also, so we've got uh, episode one is going to be "What if Neb- Nebula joined the Nova Corps?" and that's the one that I think we know the least about. But I'm guessing that might turn Jean's head. Um, <laughs> episode two is "What if Peter Quill attacked Earth's Mightiest Heroes?" and that seems to probably follow on the storyline where we saw, you know, Ego trying to take over his son and uh, T'Challa saving him. So um, episode three is what if Happy Hogan saved Christmas? And that's the diehard looking one that we keep seeing in the previews. And that's going to drop on Christmas Day. Um, episode four is what if Iron Man crashed into the Grandmaster? That's the story where we'll find out how Nebula ended up with that stone destroying machine. Um Episode five is what if Captain Carter fought the Hydra Stomper? So that picks right up where season one ends, where they find the Hydra Stomper. I'm really worried about the word fought in the title here. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, Episode six is an interesting one because it's what if, and so I'm going to say this name the way that I think that it said, we're going to have to, I don't speak Mohawk. I don't know this language. So we're going to have to have it um, clarified for us, but it's what if Cohorty reshaped the world. And this features a brand new character Invented for this show, not in the comic 
comments, comics or anything. So yeah, that's very intriguing. Um, what if Hela found the 10 rings? Sounds like a ton of fun. What if the Avengers assembled in 1602 is of uh, pulling from the Neil Gaiman comics of yeah the 1602 comics? So that's going to be interesting. It's also going to feature a version of Wanda they're calling Merlin Wanda and a bunch of Avengers as the Merry Men, apparently. And then the final episode will be What If Strange Supreme Intervened? So that's obviously picking up where we left off. All right. So it's going to pull from the previous yeah, season. Definitely. Uh, do any of those stand okay. out to you, David? Um, maybe that last one is interesting. And maybe the Avengers assembling in 1602. Um, I think those are, and this reshaping the world could be interesting just because it's this new, this whole new uh, storyline or a whole new character. Yeah. What about you, Jean? What are you most excited for? The Cohorte, the Hela. And the strange thing. Yeah. So episode 206, 207, and 209, those are the ones that I'm most... Um, yeah, me, yeah I, I think I'm feeling the same way. Um, although I'm very interested to see how the others continue. But yeah, this... I actually I started to read this Neil Gaiman line of the comics because I was just intrigued. And the art style is really cool. I don't know if... Right. They, I don't think... They're not really... They're keeping the art style consistent within the show, but... Yeah, they have. But it should be... A fun one. And the actually the Peter Quill versus the Avengers one, I'm sorry, that is not going to be a continuation of what we saw, I guess, because this is set in 1988, this one. So we're going to get 80s lineup of Avengers, including uh, that's where we get T'Chaka. Right. I don't think um, T'Chaka is in the Avengers. No, I mean, in this version, he is. Black Panther is not. <laughs> in this, in this oh, version, apparently, okay. it's going to be Hank Pym, uh, Bill Foster, who is uh, like Goliath, uh, Lawrence Fishburne, last seen in mm-hmm. Ant-Man 2. Uh, we got King King T'Chaka is the Black Panther at the time. Uh, Bucky Barnes, I guess, is. I, but that's going to be interesting because if he's the Winter Soldier, how is he fighting? I don't know. We'll see. Uh, Wendy Lawson is yeah. an interesting one. So that's Annette Bening's uh, character from Captain Marvel. Oh. And she right. plays a version right. called Star Force in this. And then... Uh, Thor huh. and Peggy's the director of Shield at the time. Yeah, interesting. So yeah, that's yeah, that's interesting. And then uh, in the sixteen oh two one, the lineup is apparently um, we've got Steve Rogers, Bucky Barnes, Scott Lang, and the Ant Man. And there's going to be a blacksmith, Tony Stark, and Purple Hulk, Happy Hogan. So basically, the premise of this one is like, what if the Avengers were just born four hundred years earlier, just for whatever weird freak of history? <laughs> right <Yeah. laughs> just because so it's during it's the elizabethan if. era so we're talking like shakespeare times right mm-hmm. that's gonna be wild yeah so yeah i'm, I'm yeah i'm still on, on board with six seven nine all right like, like if they were to if they were to release all at once i would do six seven nine. <laughs> 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 that's how that would be my view in order if they were you know like big uh-huh. drop right so, yeah cool so we're gonna i think we decided that we're gonna do just one big episode not dissimilar to how we did it today where we do a little recap and and our hot takes for the episodes that we watched and uh, if i remember right we're gonna try and record that we've got a 
we're going to take some vacation a little bit over the holidays and make sure that everybody gets a little bit of rest and visiting family. I know everybody's got family plans and stuff like that. So I think we're going to get to record this episode on the 6th, right? And that's when we're going to do mm-hmm. our Echo recap, our Echo context setup as yeah. well. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Good. That sounds good. Okay. Anything else on what if, or are we, uh, are we uh, all just set up? Season two. I like season one and season two looks even better. So bring it on. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Hopeful feelings. Awesome. Well, let's talk about our um, upcoming programming schedule. Let's start with you, Alicia. What have you got planned for the wool shift? Yeah, so uh, we've got coming out probably around the same time as this, the uh, holiday special. So in the book club, there's going to be the audio drama version of The Greatest Gift, the story on which... it's a wonderful life is based. And, uh, in the public feed, Luke and I did, we had a really fun time talking about it's a wonderful life, but also talking about a, a bunch of movies that were spun off of that. Uh, so that was a really fun episode and we're going to. Okay, cool. A little yeah. holiday, a little fun holiday. Yeah. And we're going to be, yeah. um, yeah. wrapping up the last two episodes of beacon 23 just dropped as we were recording. So we're going to be, uh, doing that season wrap up and, uh, also the shift, um, episode for the book club is in editing now. Okay, great. And uh, so far, and then you just released a, uh, what was it? Three, four, five. Right. So people? now we were going to do six and seven and then eight, but since they dropped seven and eight together, we're just going to do six, seven and eight. Okay. That sounds great. And so far, yeah, thumbs up. I'm Something enjoying it. I'm enjoying the season a lot. Um, it's a really, it's a character study and, uh yeah and the main character is beacon 23 which is the title so that feels appropriate but okay that's interesting cool and dune yes coverage. and dune coverage will begin in earnest with basically almost weekly uh, in january and february leading into the march 1st um part two premiere in the theaters excellent awesome. the trailer is out for the movie it looks interesting it looks amazing yeah, uh, I think Villeneuve, uh, yeah, and I've said this before, I think he's really achieved the best look yeah. of the Dune world yeah. so far. But we're going to talk about, uh, um, David, you're going to join us to talk about our love of the 84 Lynch version, too. <laughs> oh, God, it's glorious. It's glorious in, in, in all yes. its flaws and, and um, <laughs> hot, hot dumpster fire mess. In, in the best is. possible oh. way. And I, That's right. And I did pick up that book, the uh, the oral history of of Dune, uh, and I've been sort of paging through it. It's so much information, but I really I read some chapters about David Lynch and how he, as a director, uh, established and how the mess that the Dune property, the licensing was, and all the iterations that it went through. So it's a it's a fasc- fascinating take, and we'll definitely talk about that book more when I'm on the podcast with you and Luke, which I am really looking yeah, forward to. Yeah, me too. To. It's gonna be oh, fun yeah. one. I know that Luke's really looking forward to that episode too because that was uh, the episode that was the movie that he watched over and over growing up. <laughs> Properly Howard Movie Review is finished up with their last season of Movie Review, so we'll see what they're going to get up to next year when they uh, kick off a new season. But until then, if you're missing Steve and Anthony in your life, check out the Severance podcast. This is going to be a joint podcast. So we set up a whole separate feed just for that. And you can find uh, a link for that in the show notes. Uh, also for Wool Shift Dust, you can find a link for that in the show notes or just search for 
severance lorehounds and you will find it. And we did that setup so that once season two starts, Steve, Anthony, John, and I, the four of us are all going to cover it episode to episode, week to week. And so you'll have the season one recap that Steve and Anthony have done, and they're um, just about finished with that. They've been dropping every Fridays. And then you'll have that all available for you if you want to do a rewatch or if you're doing it now. And then we'll roll right into season two. We don't know when season two is going to come out. They still haven't announced it, but we are keeping our eyes uh, for that date and we'll let everyone know once we once we also know. Um, for the Lorehounds ourselves, we have our top 10 Second Breakfast podcast, which we'll release to everybody on in and around Christmas Day. We've got so much extra content that I think we're going to actually have to split this into two podcasts. So we're going to, we had conversations with all of our co-hosts, with John, Alicia, Brandon, Marilyn, Anthony. We talked about your top threes as well as the bonus questions. And then we've got a special guest for our breakdown of the... um, holiday movie that we chose, which was Falling for Christmas, which was a Lindsay Lohan vehicle that was supposed to be a sort of reboot her career. Anyway, we have a friend named Anna who writes a Substack, and she does takedowns of holiday rom-coms, and they're hilarious and a lot of fun, so we invited her onto the podcast for that. So I think we're going to package all those up into into an episode, and then we'll have our normal Second Breakfast podcast where John and I sort of talk a little bit about life, but then we're going to do our big top 10 end-of-year reviews. We've also just covered um, on a one shot. Well, let's see, we had Napoleon that Alicia and I, you d- we did. Uh, Brandon and I did a one shot on um, Leave the World Behind. The Creators coming uh, out? Alicia, you and. Oh, the cre- oh yeah, Doctor Who we did, and The Creators coming out too. Yeah, the creator, which will drop on the 20th. So whatever this podcast comes out, uh, December 20th, we will release the podcast that we recorded way back in <laughs> what, October, November, or something like yeah. that to coincide with that. And then you guys just had a podcast. Yeah, Alicia, you and John and a friend of yours, Simon, mm-hmm. your who daddy. <laughs> uh, your, who, your who master? I said no, who no, mentor. No, no, no. <laughs> Yeah, who mentor? That's better. Your who mentor? Uh, hopefully that podcast. Yeah, went no, that well. was a lot of fun, and it was, I was so glad that we had um, someone who grew up there. You know, who could tell us about his experiences as a kid watching Who. And then I th- believe we have our final chapter of Tehanu on our Book Nook series, which is also uh, awaiting editing and will be released. So there's a ton more content coming out uh, in December. Oh, and uh, Rebel Moon. The three mm-hmm. of us are going to cover Rebel Moon, the new Zack Snyder. Ooh, boy, the internet is a fire with the uh, <laughs> with the reviews. So it's a, a Zack Snyder special. I'm bringing an open mind. So am I. So am I. Yes. What was the Las Vegas Zack Snyder one that he did, the zombie? Oh, Army of the Dead? I enjoyed it. It was completely ridiculous, but I yeah. actually had a fun time. It was just goofy and, you know, yeah. I, I don't know. So if if Rebel Moon is anything like that in the sense of this is just Zack Snyder throwing buckets of paint at the wall, I'm sure it's going to be It might be yeah. a good time. Well, I, right. saw, exactly. I saw a review I posted on the Discord that was just like, uh, it's too woke, too many women, uh, too political. I'm like, sign me up. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> what I'm Venn diagram overlap. Awesome. 
Okay, well, I think this is going to wrap it up for the MCU coverage for the year. We won't have an MCU podcast until the new year um, comes up with season two and uh, Echo preview or you know context setup episode. That'll all be in one episode, and then we'll get right into Echo um, with the binge drop podcast. So, John and Alicia, it has been yeah, a very been a productive great year. Yes, it has, and um. Happy New Year. Yeah. Happy New Year to you. Yeah. Just remember the watchers always watching. The Lorehounds podcast is produced and published by the Lorehounds. You can send questions and feedback and voicemails at thelorehounds.com slash contact. Get early and ad-free access to all Lorehounds podcasts at patreon.com slash the Lorehounds. Any opinions stated are ours personally and do not reflect the opinion of or belong to any employers or other entities. 